Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. From the pod we cast on this planet and blinking pod into the cast. There is more to pod than cast ever be seen. Okay, get out. More to pod than can ever be cast. Yeah, we get it that you use the words pod and cast. There's far too much to pod in cast. More to pod than can ever be cast. But the Pod rolling cast through the Sapphire podcast keeps pod and cast right. on the endless round. Shut it's the, the fuck up. pod of the cast. Uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> and it moves us all. It started out that I was enjoying it more than the movie. Now we're about equal. <laughs> through despair and podcast. Yeah, despair, mostly despair. Good song, though. Pod. <laughs> I mean, I'll say that was the most emotionally activated I felt by the entire movie is just that needle drop is unbelievable. It is. The moment that kicks in and you just see the sun. The sun. Yeah. I was like, what if I like this? Interesting. I was. For like half a second, I was like, what if this gets me? Right. (laughs) You know? It is good. I mean, but then I just immediately think of the, I'm just watching it right now. It looks so much better. Cartoon. The cast. Uh, God. Is there, yeah. What? Is there any Disney movie that begins as like boldly as that? No, you know what's cool Because a lot of them have that mood setting opening number. You know, right? You know what I'm talking about. But I feel but like. this one, it's like, yeah. Here's the other thing. I feel like the other mood setting opening numbers are kind of more like story songs. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, these are the daughters of Trek. Like right. that one, you know. And the, I feel like this one, the fact that it takes until the beast is all plot. The yeah. end of the song until we see our main characters. Right. Uh I don't That's think, what I like about I it. I don't think the other ones have a mood setting song like this. Um I No, was, but they're they're sort of like, right, we're easing you into the world. Here here we are, right? But it's like the fucking like Notre Dame starts with like Chopin saying like the tales of Notre Dame and he's yeah, a cloak I'm sorry. Right. And he's like literally like How does Pocahontas begin? Because I'm remembering they're good ones, but yeah, how does the how do... So you and I disagree on the Pocahontas soundtrack because I think the Pocahontas soundtrack slaps. Oh, you know what? Pocahontas begins with Steady as the Beating Drum, which is good. Yeah. That's one of the better songs in Pocahontas. Are you playing Steady as the Beating this is one they'll never touch, right? I'm sorry. You know what? It doesn't start with this. Because I think the opening of Pocahontas is the best thing. Pocahontas cold opens with Virginia Sailing Company. And you start uh, on the boat. Yeah, And right. then it's the hard cut to this. And that's the first time you see America. Yeah. I think that's, like, incredible. But they'll never remake that one, right? I wouldn't put it that's, past them. You wouldn't put it past them? I wouldn't put it past them. <sighs> 
That is some tricky territory. I guarantee you they have, like, you know, the way, like, any proper, like, sort of uh, uh, medical lab has, like, a wing that's just trying to crack cancer 24-7. I guarantee you Disney has, like, a whole story wing that's just people being like, is there any way we can do it? There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. What are the uh, remaining other films they have not? How about the way is that they make the movie and all the proceeds go to Native Americans? Yeah, well, that's not going to work for them. Okay. <laughs> okay. For Disney? All right. I mean, yeah, there were all these stories about uh, how they've been underpaying the employees of their theme park so much. With The theme parks are the biggest money uh, getter for them. Uh, that's like the cornerstone of their uh, company. Uh, it's just it's like pure profit. Insane. And uh, employees who work at the theme parks were like living in cars uh, because they couldn't afford to live on the full-time salary. Uh, there was like a woman who died of a heat stroke in her car who had worked as a like a janitor at, at Disney World for like 10 years. Welcome uh, to our Lion King episode, yeah, by the way. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> terrible stuff. And um, this summer, uh, Disney attendance is down at both parks, way down from the usual summer, summer standards when they expected that they would be breaking attendance records because of, of Star Wars. Edge, yeah. And what happened is, I believe, this is not my theory alone, but I truly think this is the thing, they spent so much time hyping up how batshit crowded it was going to exactly. be. Exactly. The people like, you know what? I'll take that summer off. They scared yeah. everyone off. And that coupled with the fact that they were like, only one of the two rides is going to be open. The other one opens in six months. I think people, like myself, were like, I'm not getting on a fucking plane until yeah, December. Absolutely. Which I should be someone who's going to be there fucking opening week. Right. Um, they had done this once before. They like made these places like Disney we're here Quest. to talk to Lion King. We're Don't get into deep Disney. lore. You're getting into park lore now. Hey, you know who's a Disney head? Oh. Snooki. Really? Yeah. Have her on the pod. She's welcome. If we ever do Musker Clemens, which we've been talking about more and more, it would be kind of cool to do because it's like the rise and fall of the Renaissance. Talk about she that great mouse detector. She was just talking about it in a recent wow. episode. Like just getting went back to where? from Disney. Oh, sure. She's What's a big the Disney other head? Disney park they did this, they overhyped that then... Like they had, people they, they stayed had these away. two things. It was they were they tried to make their own like sort of discovery zone, like kid, like mm. Chuck E. Cheese style, uh, and they okay. overhyped how popular they were going to be, and the attendance was so fucking low. And Disney Quest was them trying to do a more like high tech interactive arcade, and the same thing happened. Mm. They've done this before, but they were previously always Eisner mistakes, mm-hmm. and Iger hasn't made this mistake before. But they were spending so much time announcing to the press how they were going to handle crowds and being like, "We got this figured out." That even someone like me was like, I'm not touching it for six months. Um, what's Snooki's favorite Disney movie? It's a good question. I don't know offhand, but let's let's just start the conversation, see where it goes. Yeah, start I'll it find up. out. I'll find out. Throw the ball to her. Um, here's an interesting thing. Okay. Uh, it feels more and more now like the Disney live action remakes that work at the level that they want these movies to work are the Renaissance movies. The box office wise, yes, yes, and it's a, a narrow pool that's going to get more and more shallow. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the list. This is okay. what I wanted to. All right, so Snow White, they have not remade, right? No, there were the two other ones. There have been other right Snow White and the Huntsman, Mirror Mirror, but the, those weren't Disney. They have now announced that they're working on it, that they're um, developing it, that they hired a writer or whatever. Sounds tricky. I could imagine that they perhaps. I will say this. I think if the Maleficent sequel underperforms. Maybe I think that gets back. Everything pre nineteen eighty eight will get sure. Right. Slowed. Yeah. Yes. 
All right, there's Pinocchio, which they are actively working on and has not yet like been in like gone into production, but they've been hammering away at that one. Paul King was very close to making yes. it. Chris Weitz has been writing on it. That's oh, public that's knowledge. It's pretty cool when you're in a whale. Yes. True. All right. There's Fantasia. They did Fantasia 2000. I mean, I don't know if they're they working on Fantasia. And they did The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Right. And they did The Sorcerer's That's right. The live action, definitive live action adaptation. Right. There's Dumbo. They did Dumbo. Dumbo. Didn't do that great. Good movie. There's Bambi. Yeah, yeah. good movie. Kind of a good movie. Yeah. There's Bambi. I don't I, see That feels them. like a nightmare for them. I don't know how they would possibly approach that. Yeah. Cinderella, they did that. Alice in Wonderland, they did that. Yeah. Peter Pan, they're not going to do that, are they? Well. Maybe? I mean, there's been, you know, other Peter Pans, because that's like public domain. I don't know if I should say this on mic. Well, all right then. I know people have been trying to do Peter Pan at Disney, do the proper Peter Pan at Disney. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, fine. I, I, I think they're fighting the uphill battle on it because There's of, been a lot of Peter Pans. That's, that's the whole thing. Because there was, there's been like straightforward Peter Pans, and then there's been like Finding Neverland. Like there's been so many. But but you had Pan and Peter Pan both bombed. Yes. In oh, the Pan! Last I forgot about years. Pan. Yeah. Ugh. So I think those two things scared them off. Uh, although you know, hook nostalgia is at an all-time high. Psh. Um, but I I think there are people who want to make a Peter Pan movie, and Disney is skittish about the idea of putting another one out there. Right. There's Lady and the Tramp, which is going to be Disney Plus, correct? Done in the can. Um, uh, there's Sleeping Beauty, which Maleficent is the take on that. Right. There's 101 Dalmatians. When's, what's, uh, they did that with Cruella. Glenn Close, and they're redoing Cruella. Craig Gillespie is doing a Cruella movie. There's Sword in the Stone is also Disney Plus headed. Is that right? Uh, I think that I, was announced. I don't know if they've 100% confirmed it, but I believe that's the, the I'm, idea. I'm pretty sure yeah. that has been 100%. Hey, look, that's one for me where it's like you Love could do book. a fucking Love cool that. movie off of that. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Book they did. Aristocats. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look. We'll get to Cats. Yeah, we'll I don't get know. To that. I mean, is there an Aristocats remake to be done? I don't think so. I, I think there is one to be done. I yes. think in a world where the Cats movie wasn't made, I think now they wouldn't dare. No, they should make a filthy version like the joke. <laughs> like the joke? The Aristocrats is what he's saying. I also think that uh, Aristocats is not popular enough to put that much money into it. Um, I don't think it has that kind of legacy. Uh, I agree with you. I don't like that movie. Yeah. Uh, Robin Hood. Um, I think it's weird because give it's, it a shot. I mean, here's what's tough about it: they're taking a human story and putting animals in it, which would necessitate them doing a weird, inhuman, uh, uh, Lion King style thing. Except all the animals in Robin Hood are fully anthropomorphized; they don't behave like animals at all. Yeah. So it'd be needlessly expensive. Yeah. And there have been other unsuccessful Robin Hood movies lately. That's also true. I don't think they do. Well, it. if you bring in Taron Egerton and make it a sequel to his movie, then yes. I love Taron Egerton. Love him too. Robin Hood, unfortunately, not playing to anyone's strengths. Sure. Uh, the Rescuers, they're not going to fucking do that. Fox and the Hound. Is that one Disney Plus? I, I don't think they've announced it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do it. Fox and the Hound, I weirdly like a lot. Black Call. I don't like that movie. It's I too like dark. It. I like how dark it is. I like it's really sad. Black Cauldron, if they announce a live-action remake of The Black Cauldron... All bets are off. <laughs> then we know Disney is truly that, like, I don't know. That's the one that they like just kind of hide even more than yeah. Song of the South. Like, that one has to be on Disney+, Plus, though, right? I'm kind of pumped for that. Yeah, I mean, they've like, I, re-released like to it on, that. on Blu-ray and stuff. Yeah. I remember when they released it from the Disney vault, I thought it was a new movie because it was never included in, like, Disney Legacy stuff. And right, I was a kid was like, who was so deep on Disney Legacy stuff. I was like, how did I never hear this movie? Uh, it was yeah. never on any of the posters that were like the history of. Anyway, go on. Right, right. 
Well, I, I really just knew it as like Disney's dark mistake or whatever. You right. Know, yeah. Uh, and then after Black Cauldron, you've got Great Mouse Detective. They could do that. Mice? Yeah. I don't know. But Oliver Disney, and Company? Disney just shut down uh, the Mouse Guard movie. Yeah. At Fox. Yeah, but what if it was Detective? Yeah. I mean, look, the photoreal thing. What if it was on the knows? case? Yeah. Little Mermaid is in the works. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, done. Pocahontas, probably never going to happen. Hunchback. Are they doing that? No. They keep on trying to do it for the stage. It has played in Germany. Sure. It has played in Europe. They've done out-of-town tryouts. James Levine. So the next, Not James Levine. James Lepine. Yeah. The next yes. wave for them would be Hunchback, Hercules, Tarzan. That would be them being like, I don't know. And like, those ones are really tricky to pull off. Hey. We got a pizza pie, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, Hercules, I think, is kind of unadaptable. Because it's so specific in its tone and it being a weird comedy that feels so of its time. Yeah. Like, that's a very 90s comedy. It is. And Tate Donovan's in it. Most 90s performer ever. Hercules is kind of the proto-Shrek. I feel like people don't talk about that. Donkey. That's but, what Shrek used to say. Yeah. Donkey. But he's got his little Danny DeVito sidekick. And I feel like Hercules is the movie that's like, yeah, but we're making fun of Disney movies. Like, Hercules has all the jokes about, like, the meta-ness and the calling out how much merchandise there is. And if we do Clements and Musker, we can talk Hercules. I, it's got an interesting style, I mean, visual style. Here's something uh, radical, I will what tell you. What the fuck, Jesus Christ, this is a blank check podcast. We need, what are we doing? We're doing, this is important. <laughs> okay, go ahead. We said this episode was going to be short. But we're connoisseurs of context. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. What we we promised Ben it would be 15 minutes long. Um, uh, what I was going to say is, when Hercules came out, I said, that is tied for my number one favorite movie of all time. Uh, that's interesting. With How old would you have been? Like the original nine? Toy Story. Yeah. So in Hercules, you were like, they did it. They finally came up with something. It doesn't surpass Toy Story, right. but it's equal to Toy Story. And Toy Story, I still think is one of the greatest movies ever made. And I don't even like Hercules anymore. I have twice in the last five years tried to tried rewatch to, like, it. Tried to go back to him and been like, eh. Yeah, I thought it was so fucking funny. I thought it was a laugh riot. Loved the songs. Was all about it. That was my favorite of the, the Disney Renaissance. Um, anyway. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, this is the other problem, though. These ones like Hercules, two recent live action movies. That's true. Tarzan, a recent live action movie. <laughs> it was a hit. Yeah. America loved it. Right. And the songs aren't as uh, sort of legendary as they are with like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and Lion King and such. Maybe they'll remake Bolt. Can't wait for them to remake Bolt. A, bolt, a photo real Bolt, John Travolta. <laughs> but then, yeah, then there's this other weird thing where now there's this rumor going around that they want to do fucking Atlantis. Great, sounds good. That Gimel but didn't Gimel shoot it down or whatever? Right. What he denied was that he was doing it, which I'm sure. And then, like all the he sources gets were everything like, or we doubled down on this story. We trust our sources. I guarantee you, he's on everyone's fucking wish list. Apparently, the thing they're into is that Disney wants to make a Tom Holland vehicle. Yeah. And they were like, Tom Holland would be good for the guy in Atlantis. Tom Holland is attached to everything. Yeah, Atlantis also lost a ton of money. Um, but it was about a lost empire. I kind it of lost an empire. Like Atlantis, and I would like to see them make a live action movie just because it's something that is not like fucking religiously like beloved. Right. Exactly. And it's a cool premise, and you could actually yeah. pull it off in live action now. And the whole movie's designed by Mike Mignola. It looks really cool. Yeah. All the devices and everything, whatever. But I think they're going to run out. And I've heard things from people who are, like, around the Disney company that there is that internal panic of, like, 
we've been riding this money train of these live action remakes. But what do like, we do when it's over? Yeah, it's not going to last forever. And especially with Disney Plus, where the ones that aren't sustainable enough for theatrical are going to go there. They're going to burn through anyone they could possibly do. Remake Toy Story with real toys. So here's the thing that a lot of people have said. Why don't they just remaster Toy Story 1 and 2? The way you remaster a video Yeah, game. yeah make them look nice, right? Right. But and the thing that people don't understand is to remake Toy Story is essentially the same kind of undertaking as remaking The Lion King. Right. You'd have to do it all. You would have to redo right. the entire thing. Yeah. Even if you wanted to if slavishly. You, you could copy it frame for frame, but you'd have to make every frame. But the data, right. I mean, you could not reuse the data right. from the original movie. You can't movie. just like upload the original movie and be like, okay, and now let's turn up the resolution. It's or incompatible yeah. file types. Yes. They talked about when they did Toy Story 3, they had to rebuild all the characters from scratch. Right. It's essentially new actors. Right. You'd have to build the characters again, or even if you use the model from Toy Story 4, you'd have to reanimate the performance frame by frame. Yeah. Because um, they, they made the first Toy Story in DOS. Yeah. But they re-released it in... David's shrugging. What are they thinking? They released it in like 4K. Like they've done their like up-conversion thing. Does it look good? Yeah, it looks very good. I mean, it's like yeah. the colors are good and the details are good and whatever. But um, they're not trying to pretend it's something it's not. it still got toys? It does still have the toys in it. Okay. okay, okay. Um, I remember toys, they were in the, that one. I can confirm that the toys are back in town. Um, but, uh, yeah, they'd have to make the movie from scratch just in order to have more realistic textures and stuff, uh, which I don't think is worth the money for them because, uh, you know, no, people don't want these things. No. Um, now this is blank check with Griffin and Dave. With Griffin and Dave. I'm Griffin. You're David. And Ben has given himself a slice of pizza. The meat lover was weirdly against getting the meat lover pie today. I know, we should have gotten the meat The lover. dog wanted one. He was off the leash. Bark, bark, meat lovers. Or should I say for this episode, meow, meow. Because we're going to be talking about some big cats and some little cats. I could call this episode The Lion King, parentheses, 2019, V, cats, parentheses, 2019, first theatrical trailer, colon, dawn of digital fur technology. Yeah, that's what we should call it. I could call it that. Right ahead. Because this is usually a podcast here. about mini God damn it. This is usually a podcast about filmographies. Directors who keep it in, Ben. He's not keeping it. He in. marked it, and I demand that you keep it in. Don't cut that shit out. All right. I want to live a transparent life. I love it. Less work for me. I want to go home to my children and tell them I live honestly. How are your kids? They're terrible. <laughs> they hate me. I got no respect for me. I tell you, Ben, I got no respect. Yep, hey, yes, Dad. <laughs> I got no respect, Ben. My wife asked me. You, did you go uh, to your Dr. Vinnie Boom Bots? Yeah. My wife asked me. She goes, you want to be on top or on bottom? I go bottom. I slide under the bed. I, I butchered a Rodney Dangerfield well, there's a joke. reason that Rodney was better at that than everyone else. Yeah, Rodney was the best. I think joke for joke, Once Rodney's a the week, funniest person. I watch a Rodney Dangerfield YouTube. <laughs> Same montage. here. Like all the Same fucking here. time. I watch his specials all the time. Oh, God, so no bad. one was better at jokes. No one yeah. was better at writing yeah. and delivering a joke right. than Rodney Dangerfield. But Rodney Dangerfield is also someone who the simple act of him sitting down is hysterical. If like, just me watching Ron, Rodney Dangerfield sit in a chair, I'm like, this is kind of the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about him is funny. God. He and Carson, any him on Carson, like he is the perfect match for Carson because Carson is best when he's not doing anything. You know, when yeah. he's just like, oh, sure, yeah, of course. You know, like, and that's just the perfect foil for him. Yeah, uh, Johnny, I tell you, I, I tell you, go see my doctor. Any boom bots? 
Pretty boomba. But uh, we usually talk about directors who have massive success or on their career. Given a series of blank checks, make whatever crazy project they want. Sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce. Baby. And we usually pick a miniseries. Uh, we pick a director's career. We go through them one by one. Every once in a while, there's a new film that we just got to talk about. And this is a, it's certainly a blank check film in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. a blank check for this notion of the live-action Disney films. It's a director certainly has blank check status. Mm-hmm. And Favreau is an interesting one because I think despite the fact that he has had a run of successes, his blank check also increases because of the increasing success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, I thought you were going to say Chef. And Chef, and the Chef oh, Cinematic oh, okay. Universe, the CCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MCU and the CCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all stand a legend. His name is Chef Casper. Uh, you you got to try this Cuban. You got to try this Cubano. Okay. Remember that famous line from Chef? Is he Martin Scorsese in that movie? <laughs> you got to try this Cubano. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, don't, you, don't you feel like that's happening? Like the more the Marvel Universe becomes like, you know, like the all-consuming thing, the more everyone's like, that Favreau, he was ahead of the curve. Right. He was on to it. He was involved, great. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, so coming off The Lion King, coming off all the Marvel movies, he goes, I just feel like we're getting warmed up. Right. I We just cracked this technology. I want to take it to the next level. It's the problem. This is the problem, though. And they announce it as a new Lion King, and everyone goes, oh, my God, they're making a live-action Lion King. Which they, they did. Or not. What are you talking about? It took them three years to figure out a way to refer to it. For three years, they kept on, like, Robert Iger would do interviews and be like, I don't know, because it's, like, not live action, but it doesn't really look like an animated movie. And they finally, like, three weeks ago, were, like, go on all the talk shows and tell everyone it's photoreal. Photorealistic. You don't like that? And that's the pitch. The pitch was, what if we did The Lion King and tried as much as possible to make it look like a nature documentary? Yes. The animals will just look like what those animals look like. And we will try to hold them to the actual physical limitations of Not how try. much animals can emote. Fully. And move, move around. So here's some things that lions can do. Walk. Mm-hmm. Run. Yes. Oh, that's it. Uh, eat. Sure. Sleep. Yeah. They can kind of like like crouch Pounce. down, you yeah, know. Crouch. They are like very lay. survival-based creatures, right? Yeah. There's not a lot of emotion that goes into their decision. It's it's no. it's survival-based. They have their needs. Pack hunters. Right. They live in prides. Now there's this thing that's interesting about watching animals behaviorally. Sure. Where because they aren't rash they're not run by emotions. Mm-hmm. You just see it's sort of the like clockwork brain. The clockwork brain of like, what do I need to do at this moment? When do I conserve my energy? When do I use it? What's the geometry of this attack? Any of that sort of stuff, right? Yep. Um, And when you watch nature documentaries and the animals sort of like look blankly and are like twitching and you're sort of projecting onto them like, what is that animal doing? What is it trying to do? Mm -hmm. That's kind of fascinating. Right. When Jon Favreau did The Jungle Book, I thought... I like that movie a little more than you do. Sure. I think it's like a gentleman's six, right. 6.5. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think he nails that element. I think you have one of each type of animal. I think generally those types of animals were more expressive. And Bear, bears. Panther. Tiger. Tiger. You uh, snake. Multiple wolves. Yeah, but really one. Just sort of one main wolf Mother, in that father, one. cubs. Mother, father. Mother, father. I don't know. Um, Hello, mother. But also, he seemed a lot more comfortable having animals do things that animals couldn't do in real life in that movie. That is true. Even though there aren't, there isn't singing and dancing, the animals like gesticulate. Well, there's a little singing. 
I, no I'm, dancing. I'm just saying no dancing with the musical numbers. But there is rhythmic moving. Yeah. There is intentionality in their actions. I was saying this to you before we saw the movie. We saw yeah. the movie together last night. We did. Um, Retired bit. Be- <laughs> bears and monkeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, apes, whatever. Was he a chimpanzee? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, are more expressive and human to begin with anyway. So you got that advantage. But do you remember how fucking well Shere Khan works in The Jungle Book? He that was the performance better. everyone liked. He works better. Yeah. It's it's not bad. I mean, he's he's only really got this. He's scary. Yeah. Which helps because, like, tigers are scary. But is Scar ever as successfully scary no, Scar in this is, movie? Scar is the biggest problem with this movie. And this is a movie where pretty much everything is a problem. I think Scar is the biggest disaster in the entire movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, um, like, I think, I think if you're going to try and highlight what went wrong here— I think Scar is probably the best example and also probably the story of Disney's failure with these remakes in general. Is like, the villain? Is, the, is Scar and the villains and their whole thing where they're like, well, we can't have them be as sort of like flamboyant as they were because that that kind of seems offensive now. And it's like, make another fucking movie. Yeah. You know, like, then then why are we doing this? Like, have you seen The Lion King recently? Scar is, like, every word is like, well, you know, it's like Jeremy Irons is like it's in incredible. the river. And He's the in the hand river. The, the character animation on Scar the is shallow so much fun. end of the gene pool. Right. You know, like every word is enunciated in this. And then, yeah. like, Joe tells, like, yeah, I'll play him just sort of like, is this kind of moody guy, like, yeah. who's sort of like, you know, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's monotonal. But like, He's not bad. I think it's not he, his I fault. I think he gives a good performance. Good is. I think good he is gives a good period performance. Um, but uh, but anyway, but but back to the Lion King. I the, mean, the Jungle Book. This was the thing that kind of oh oh, but but like they have, uh, you know, Baloo sitting mm-hmm. eating honey with his hand, hey. making eye contact with the person he's talking to when he's talking to them, like gesticulating with his paw, a little talking bit. to a person as right, well. Right. Another advantage that movie has that there is a person. Right. Right. But I think that movie like actually allows the characters to behave like characters. A little bit. And in this movie, I kept on being like, what's the weird thing that's going on? There are a lot of weird things. And then also, just the other point I made to that you agreed with is like, at least in the Jungle Book, everyone's a different kind of animal, so you can like, each they have their own personalities. This one has like, you know, eight or nine lion characters. Right. They all look like lions. Yeah. Lions. There's three hyenas. They all kind of look the same. Hyenas all look the same. One of them has like a fucked up ear. A little bit. Yeah. Right. Um... I had to do a uh, a lot of uh, dog scenes on the tech, mm. right? Because we had the the dog midnight in season mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. and dog acting is very difficult. And here are a couple of reasons why. Because they're so fucking they're divas. They're divas. Uh, their writers are insane. Oh my god! Um, but there is a basic thing uh, that we are just used to as an audience because so much of the language of cinema is based on eye lines. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even just the spatial geometry of how you set up a room, but like where characters are looking in direction con- in relation to where you cut before or after they look, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff that um, uh, if you watch, like, the Michael Caine acting masterclass videos, which are incredible, mm-hmm. the ones he did for, like, the BBC in the 80s, uh, he talks so much about, like, the qualities of stillness that you need as an actor, even when you're playing a jittery character, that you have to maintain some sort of stillness and why people don't move a lot in close-ups and why they try to keep their eye contact fixed 
and not blink as much, even though it's unrealistic. And if you're watching it on set, you're like, this is bizarre. This is a thing I feel like I struggle with. I always like to play antsy people. Sure. And I'm always trying to find this like zone. And when I dislike my performances, I'm like, it feels too unfocused because I'm doing too much in a way that's distracting for the audience. Right. You need to find a way to like thread that needle, right? Right. Animals are only distracted. If anything comes into an animal's range of sight, it looks over at it. Sure. An animal can't stand still unless it's like sleeping, right? Sure. There are these weird involuntary twitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are yeah, all yeah. these sorts of things that uh, are distracting to watch because you it distracts from whatever the intentionality of what sure. an actor or character is trying to convey to you. Yeah, you're saying they're shitty actors. Jungle Book, he got most of that out of the way. And then very once in a while, he'd maybe throw a little, little touch in that end so he'd be like, wow, it looks like a real tiger. Right, right. This movie, he is like so slavishly committed to like, I want this to look like planet Earth. Right. When the characters are talking to each other, they keep on looking around. They keep on having little twitches mm. or like walking off to some corner right. so that it looks like nature. Like nature documentary, yeah. And it doesn't, it, it, it's like he's actively not letting their body language. Yeah, well, they can't look human at all. Right. Because then, you know. I mean, you wouldn't fucking believe what was happening on screen. I mean, it'd be impossible. It would, it would ruin the movie. I don't know what you're talking about. This they got to look like real lions. No, I mean, they got to look like real lions. And I just kept on doing this test. I, th- which I, is think, like, I think it's pretty obvious. Aside from the fact that their faces aren't expressive enough. Right. Aside from the fact that they all look the same. Yes. Aside from the fact that I don't think it makes any sense to go this photorealistic. Sure. There were a bunch of scenes where I was like, if they had just had Simba sitting, right? Sure. And while he's sitting, his focus is fixed on another person, and maybe once... He gesticulates with his paw a little bit. No, they don't really talk. They they mostly just are looking off in various directions when they're talking to each That's other. That's the yeah, fucking I know, thing. I know, I know, I know. It's true. And you're like, wow, I guess this does look like real lions. Yeah. Also, and I, that's why I thought it was great. Five stars. I feel like a lot of people in talking about this movie uh-huh. have used the like, they were so busy thinking about if they could, they didn't even yes, that is That is what it is. Because they, I mean, one assumes that there was that conversation of like, wow, Jungle Book was a hit. We have this tech. Yes. And someone was just like, Lion King. That's the animal movie. Right. That's the other one. Right. Let's fucking do it. And apparently- and I, Everyone was like, you know, bam, great, do it. You know, right? I mean, I can't imagine I, I the hard sell. It was something that Favreau like, wanted to do post-Jungle Book. Sure. But apparently they were already sort of stewing on that. And right. Favreau was like, well, I, I want to win this. this job. Right. Oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he was met with much resistance. Right. But it was like a thing he like- pursued within, you know, the the lineup of potential Disney sure, movies he right. could grab. Right. Yeah, he beat out Malik. And my joke at the time, <laughs> my joke at the time was like, uh, I did this both ways, was like, because uh, that same day, they announced that Justin Lin was attached to direct a Hot Wheels movie. Sure. And I said, John Favreau agreeing to make The Lion King is like if Justin Lin agreed to do a Hot Wheels movie. And then I did the opposite joke of like Justin Lin agreeing to do it. I, we, yeah. Where it's like, if you've already kind of done this thing. Why do it again? What's the difference? What do you need to prove? Well, this time the wheels are hot. So. Right. Well, it, and that would have been huge. Yeah, Flaming wheels. Um, everyone, like the trailer would have been like, here's a car. It's like, everyone knows cars. We're like, mm. But I was like, what does yeah. 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 he yeah. think wheels he can hot. add to this movie? And the answer is apparently just that thing that we've talked about a lot on this podcast because it happens to blank check directors. Where they just become so obsessed with the tech. Yes. And the idea that the process of making the movie can change Hollywood forever. Right. That they just go so deep up their own butt. And sometimes the guys get out. Sometimes like Cameron, in spite of themselves, the things sort of work. <laughs> and sometimes they don't, baby. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, they have the, and then this, they have the additional problem where it's like, they're just, they have the animated film playing and they're like, yeah, okay, let's, you know, okay, no, he, it's a branch that he's on. Let's have him hanging in the same way, right? Like, oh, and they did a zoom here. So we'll zoom, even though like we barely zoom at any other point in the movie. You know what I mean? Like shit like that. Was Stefanski the one who was telling you the spirit story? Yeah, the spirit uh, stallion of the Cimarron, also known as Cimarron Stallion of the Spirit or Stallion Spirit of the Cimarron. Uh, you can just, your joke is that you can just change the names no matter mm-hmm. what. Um, which is a horsey animated movie from, I want to say 2002, maybe one. I think it's two. Uh, you know, uh, they're about a bunch of horses, 2002, that's right. The horses do not speak in the movie. It's a movie about horses. Matt Damon plays a narrator. Yeah, Matt Damon plays spirit, but as a narrator. An internal monologue sort of thing. James Cromwell, I think, played a colonel that's sort of like Custer. Oh, that's interesting. So it's just it's, it's a very, all very pretty movie. And yes. all physicality, Incred- essentially. Um, and yeah. it's a movie that tries to uh, have the horses communicate and behave like real horses rather yeah. than making them an uh, that was the whole idea. Don't make them cartoon horses. Make it an animated film about real horses. And it is a pretty movie. I think of it mostly as just being pretty. Yeah. Like, um, but the animator said the one concession they had to make, you know, to uh, us, like, you know, outside of reality, was they had to give them eyebrows. Human eyebrows. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Just because just otherwise show, we, that's like there's no emotion. That's claymation, right? Yes, Even exactly. Like, Everything. Exactly. Yeah. Everything. So, like, and as you look at the trailer, I mean, the poster, it's like, yeah, you can see they just got a couple brows on there. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, and uh, John Favreau is not an animator. He has no background in animation. No, he was a sandwich maker. He's a sandwich maker. I got tried this Cubano. Yeah, Cubano. Um, and even though The Jungle Book, it was like 90% CGI. Right. It's reverse engineered from here's a kid we're putting in front of a. He was camera. on a set with a kid, and the kid was acting, and he right. was directing the kid, you know, like a director does. They built to walk on elements. all fours. Sometimes, well, the kid was playing Mowgli. And, yeah, you know. Oh, sorry. Right. But but uh, but sometimes Mowgli walks on all fours. Favreau notably uh, would usually play the animals with the kid, yeah. where his acting you know experience comes into play is like. Right. Favreau would play Baloo, and I'm sure he was good as Baloo on set. So sure, the kid, killed it like, as Baloo. He probably was really good. He was actually Baloo. probably great as Baloo. Yeah, actually, he let's find those fucking dailies. Yeah. I mean, like, as Ka, was he great? Who knows? But as Baloo? I don't know. Oh, you got an Oscar for that. But I was like, Ka in that movie, they turn into Scarlett Johansson as, like, a weird hypnotic seductress. And I'm like, that is a scene that so fully embraces the unreality of what's going on here. Yeah, I know. And it felt like that snake... Gave an emotional performance. Yeah. In a one scene role, right? And this movie, he's like, no eyebrows. No. It's not motion capture. No. So you don't have actors who are able to put emotions into the performance right. We're not, physically. Like Don Donald Glover's face is not being mapped onto Simba's face. This is keyframe animated. Keyframe. He records voices and then he hands it over to animators. Most of those animators, I believe, in this instance are special effects artists. Exactly. They're not what you would call animators. Now, but- very often these days, if people don't want to have to pay the overhead to have an animation studio going on all the time. Something like Rango, for example, hired ILM to be the animation studio. Right. But they will hire a lot of animation experts to work on it because the visual effects people are usually trying to replicate something or create something that can fit into what already exists. Mm-hmm. And character animation is its own school of sort of art yeah. that you need to learn yeah. because a good animator is a good director and a good actor. In that sense, you go, Favreau could be a good fit, both the director and an actor. Yeah. But the difference is that 
animators have to learn how to act from the outside. Interesting. They have to understand how to give a performance, but it's not about I'm feeling really connected in the scene. I'm listening to my partner. Sure. All the things that they tell you to do as an actor. Don't be outside of your head. Don't think about it. Don't try to get this result. Don't talk with your hand. All all this sort of shit. Animation is the exact opposite. And then you're trying to find the specific inner life in that gesture, in that movement. Mm. And you have a movie that is like special effects teams being directed by a very naturalistic, conversational, behavioral actor director. A guy whose best, no, his best movie is probably Iron Man. What's Favreau's best movie? Elf. Elf or Iron Man, right? His best movie is Elf. Elf is pretty good. I love Elf. I think Elf is a masterpiece. Mm. <laughs> masterpiece is strong. I think Elf is a masterpiece. Okay. I will say that. I think Elf's a masterpiece. Okay. Um, Elf's good. He's an elf. Jungle Book was kind of a good fit for him because Jungle Book's got this jazzy hangout vibe. Yeah. I, I was saying so. to you last night, you Jungle love Book's Jungle my Book. favorite. Right. I didn't realize this. That and it's your number first one. First movie I ever saw. Sure. Sure. Saw it at the quad. Remember it vividly, even though you called me a liar. You are a liar. I'm not a liar. Known liar. Remember right. it vividly. Um, but that movie is this sort of shambling, like here are all these weird bachelors in the jungle, <laughs> hanging out with this kid, having these conversations, just sort of like bumping around, singing songs and shit like that. Sure. Unsurprisingly, this movie hits like a 10 minute window of enjoyability at like the peak Timon and Pumbaa section in the middle where you're like, well, this is why you hire Favreau to do this. Yeah. Because this feels like the kind of thing he knows how to do. Sure. But when you're watching Favreau do slavish recreations of what were previously either fully dramatic or fully musical scenes. Yep. Because otherwise, Lion King does not have a lot of overt humor. No. The home humor is mostly Timon and Pumbaa. Right? Like, right. And a little bit of Scar. Right. Scar's got some humor. You know, and then the hyenas. he's taking out all of his humor, all of his sort of like human rhythm sort of interest and in dialogue. This you know? true. Yeah. 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 You're like, this is a weird stilted mat- match of material to him. Whereas someone like Julie Tamor is someone who had always been like, I'm going to pick a folklore tale or like this like Greek tragedy or like something, you know, and sort of like work these mythic stories into these more like expressionistic things. Mm. Uh, I work with these sort of like sacred texts. Right. And then she does Arachne and it it does her in, right? Right. Right. right, right. But that was like she was like. That was her concept. I'm trying to view Spider-Man as this. As this like mythic. Right. 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 But. But. He's making this movie in which he's so obsessed with, as I said, the fact that he could, that he didn't think about whether or not he should. Sure. Now, everyone's been saying that, and that's sort of the fundamental line everyone's using to sum it up. Yes. But it's always kind of bugged me because I've been like, that doesn't feel totally right because I feel like the origins of that term are always tied to catastrophic acts against humanity. <laughs> and as bad as this movie is, it's not a malicious act. No. Uh, no, it's not malicious. So I'm sitting there it watching feels- it. It feels... Deeply cynical, even though I don't think Favreau is cynical. No, I think it feels super cynical from a studio perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think he was coming at it very earnestly. I think all the people who worked on it were very earnestly trying to do something with it. Sure. But I'm sitting there watching, and I'm going, like, what is the analogy for what this feels like to me? Because I think you and I agree, like, when, when Asiania hits and the sun hits, it feels kind of fun. Hey. When you're Love watching it. Circle of Life, even though it's less effective than the original, you're like, if I saw someone upload this to YouTube 
and they were like, this special effects artist spent a year recreating. Sure, like those people who like are like, I made Obi Wan and Darth Vader right. fight. You know, or yeah, the guy right, who right. did like the entire like Battle of Normandy from Saving Private Ryan right. on his computer. Right. Like that shit, you're like, you're like, well, hey, the craft is well done. It's like, impressive. Yes, right, what sure, an interesting sure. thought experiment. Right, right, right. So we're both watching that, and I'm like. You know, recognize the... Okay, but say when I laughed. Are you getting to when I laughed during the recreation of Circle of Life? There is a rack focus. The, which is a great shot in the original. Yeah. Uh, the rack focus from the ants to the... I mean, I can probably find the exact animals. Mm. But, you know, in the original, in the 1994 movie, yeah. it's like a nice little visual suggestion of like, yeah, like everyone's coming. You know, right. like to this uh, ceremony from the tiniest little right. ants, you know, this, Ben, to the oh, zebras. Yes. You know? And it's like, it's always kind of cool when uh, Disney 2D animation like has stuff like a rack focus where you're yeah. like, oh, like it's like a movie, like even though they just drew that. Um, and, uh, and, and the live action movie literally has the exact same shot. They do that a lot. I mean, they do a lot and, like, of those like recreations. Similar. I mean, the Circle of Life. I have to imagine is like you could put it like Gus Van Sant psycho Most next certainly. to each other. It feel it felt that way. That the Mufasa death. I'm trying like the most sort of iconic visual sequences from yeah. this movie. It felt like they were like let's just try and replicate them. Yes. And then others like say like I just can't wait to be king, which is obviously this like big sort of Busby Berkeley musical number. It's like and they're they, actively avoiding giving they're you like, the imagery. Yeah, well we can't do that. So I guess they just walk around the watering hole and there are other animals there. To which I say, and I will continue yelling this for the rest of the episode, why can't you? <laughs> what weird rule that doesn't exist are you trying to abide by? Well I think it's just if if you've got these animals, these planet Earth animals yeah. and you had them dancing it would just look stupid. So instead, they went for boring. You know what I mean? They just were like, well, if it's boring, no one can call it stupid. Now, I want to say, I didn't see the but movie. But Griffith's probably going to call it stupid. But my thinking with just this this line of conversation uh -huh. is like, okay, so what about the rule of almost like when humans are around, animals act differently? That's yeah. like a really simple thing I've seen done in stories yeah. before. Yes. Humans are gone. All of a sudden, animals communicate to each other. Simple, yeah. easy. Like, you, who cares? You literally, you give them 10% more human characteristics in their movement. Yeah. And this movie becomes 75% better. God. I'm glad it is. Like, you get 10% more it's, intentionality. It's like, it was it like, we just horrific. sat there watching yeah. it. And, like, for the first half, I said to this to Griffin, like, the first half of the movie, I was eating dinner because yeah. I was at the Alamo. So, like, that was okay. Because I, I had, like, food. There, There's one had part. Some drinks. There's one part where we got, like, really Genuinely engrossed. enjoyed the Timon and Pumbaa stuff. Really good. Hell and yeah. we'll get to that in a second. There's one part where we got, like, really sort of on our edge of our seats. Okay. Which is when they accidentally brought me uh, buffalo wings, but I Instead had ordered loaded, loaded fries. fries. I mean, that was... Fucking tense. And it definitely happened during the Elephant Graveyard sequence, and we were a lot more focused on uh, I, sorry, not the wings. It, no, sorry, it's an elephant poop yard in this movie. It's a poop yard? No, it just looks, it looks, it looks like, like a bowl of farts. It, I mean, the whole movie looks like Yeah, they should They should actually, we should clarify that. So, like, here's how the movie began. Uh, John Favreau got a bowl, and then he farted into it a bunch. And then Caleb Deschanel. <laughs> Caleb Deschanel filmed that shit. And then, and then uh, here we go. And it's it. going to make $2 million. Now, I do think it's wild that this movie was, it's a 50, I, Rotten Tomatoes is what it is, mm -hmm. but it's a 55 on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. which is like, you'd think like, usually with Rotten Tomatoes with a movie like this, you can kind of just coast on nostalgia and Don't get a lot a of three pass. out of fives, yes. you know, get a yeah. lot of like mildly positive reviews. Yeah. 
and just sort of coast your way to like an 80% favorable kind of yeah. view. Like people are kind of like, it, they fucked it up. Like pe- even, right, I think most people are just sort of like, no, sorry. Like I was bored. Well, and we sat there and we'll get to the the highlight of the audience reaction later in the episode. But um, when the Circle of Life ended and it does the smash boom, Lion King as a title. And, and, you know, obviously that was the trailer for the original. It was the trailer for this remake. I, I it's fantastic because I want to rewatch the movie, which is sadly still in the Disney vault until Disney Plus happens. Sure. Um, so you could only buy it on iTunes. Sure. But I rewatched the trailer. And do you remember that the trailer, which is just the circle of life, starts yes. with like three title cards? Yes. That say like in 1994, Walt Disney Pictures will release its 33rd animated film, hey. an original story about lions in the Sahara Desert. Right. This is the opening song is such a baller move. Like for me, that's like on the level with like Michael Jordan. I'm back to just say yeah, like, right, this right, is right, the opening right. song. We're calling it a year in advance. Yeah. And famously within Disney, Michael Eisner and Katzenberg were so obsessed with the idea of getting an animated film to win best picture. Sure. They got nominated with Beauty and the Beast. Because they had snuck up on it with Beauty and the Beast, right? And, like, that was after they did, like, a full court press. Right. They campaigned really hard for that movie. Right. And they got that nomination. Everyone was like, hey, wow. Yes. History made. Right. And um, they thought Pocahontas was going to be the one. Right. The whole time during the development of these, because those two movies are happening basically parallel, they're like, Pocahontas is going to be huge. Lion King, I don't know. It's we don't know. Lions, and people were no, trying to get like, themselves off of Lion King to right. get on Pocahontas. Right. Um, uh, Lion King, I feel like, uh, I think that um, Clements and Musker turned it down. I believe so. Uh, and it, it's directed by, what's their what's their pants? Uh, uh, Rob Minkoff. Minkoff and fucking the other, guy's the other one. Like It's not even Trousdale and Wise, who are no. the other sort of no. big uh, directors the, who made um, Beauty and the Beast. No. Uh, Allers th- and Minkoff. Yes. And like what you know, what Minkoff went on to make the Stuart Little movies, uh huh, Haunted Mansion, yeah, and Mr. Peabody and Sherman, yeah. You know, it's not like these guys were. Did you do 102 Dalmatians? Undisputed geniuses? No, no. Okay, he did Stuart Little. Um, uh, yes. Uh, it's it's Kevin Lima did. Oh, of course. Goofy movie. Yes. David's looking at me knowingly. One of the goofier movies. I'm just. It is. I just want to talk about it. It was a fucking goofy movie. Well, yes, but I mean, I can think of a goofier movie. An extremely goofy movie. Extremely goofy. <laughs> I, I can think of a goofier movie. That's yeah. right. Son of Saul. I'm trying David. to think of this most serious movie. David. <laughs> You're right. It was only somewhat goofy. David, how dare you? <laughs> Unbelievable. So un. God, I'm in such a bad mood. How are we going to get back on track after that? Okay, so here's what I want to say. Griffin, you were real quiet during that. It was in awe. I mean, I, I, it's, look, I'm, we know here on the podcast I'm a little bit of a roast master general. If I said something, I was just going to brutally roast this guy for looking like Goofy. Right. I call didn't you have anything they nice call you to Dr. Burn. I operate on lights, camera, jacks, and do. rules. Okay. You don't have anything nice to say. You don't say anything at all. Fair. <laughs> I forgot about that video. That is one of the most chilling pieces of, of filmed art I've ever seen. You're speaking of the best film of 2018? Yeah, I think it was the its official title was I'm Children sorry. of the Corn 6, right? <laughs> Booksmart Review Edition. <laughs> Have you seen this video? No. 
I mean, I don't know if it's better to let you see it or play it, hide it from you. Play it. Play it because ninety percent of it is silent, so Ben can watch it while we're talking. Oh God. Okay. There's only talking at the beginning part, and I want to say I've been loving the Back to You podcast. I've literally uh, listened to all of it. I think it's great. Liz Cameron Jackson He's playing his standard clip. One of his rapid reviews. Early teacher. An early teacher. All right, and now we can keep talking while this fucking let Ben see it. Clown though. show continues. Oh, I'm letting him go. Let's look at it. But let's go back and just staring. I feel like I'm staring into like um like just the deepest everything that's wrong with America. Pit of of just commentary. Sure, entitlement. I don't know. It's uh But the back view pod's really good. Is it? Is it good? What I mean, is some, what's some stuff you've learned recently? It. it calms me down. <laughs> Uh, what a Faustian situation where you're like I found the one thing that calms me down unfortunately it's a podcast hosted by Jackson from Lights Camera Jackson from Lights (laughs) I couldn't remember his last name (laughs) Jackson he of the famous ongoing narrative Lights Camera Jackson Uh, remember when this is going to be a short episode we haven't even fucking talked about cats yet I know we gotta get to cats folks uh, this is the first time we've recorded two episodes in a row in a long time. That's right. Since probably since Book of Henry. And we're feeling it. Uh, a thing I learned from the Back to You podcast is in the last four episodes of Back to You, they changed the character who's playing uh, uh, the daughter of Patricia Heaton and I Kelsey think I Grammer. Knew that. A very late recasting from Laura Marano like, to uh, what's what's her name? Lily Jackson. I think they were thinking they were still going to get that season two pickup. And they then, thought they were. It just didn't happen. Their ratings were higher than Till Death. This is another thing I learned, but Till Death was uh, less expensive to produce. Till Death was very, but you know what happened with Till Death, right? That became one of the weirdest sitcoms of all time. Yes. You should read Emily's article on that. I oh, have read incredible. it. Yes. Oh my God. Just, but that hard cut to black is what we were talking about. Here yeah, it goes. This moment Maybe. is incredible. <sighs> with the like, yeah? Dun, 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 boom. <sighs> the audience. Kills. The audience erupts. The audience at the Alamo Draft House, where we saw this movie last night. Really good loaded fries. Uh, with good loaded fries and uh, all that. Uh, nice Moscow mule. I was drinking a couple yeah. Moscow mules. Um, just it, it, applause. And I think it's almost Pavlovian. It's it like, was. oh my God, right. Of course. you know. But it felt like people were satisfied. And it's like, you showed us the tech demo. I'm on board. Right. And David said, let's watch how it dwindles. Yeah, which it did. It because did. they continued Pavlovian style eh. responded. After I Just Can't Wait to Be King, one person was like uh. you know, there was that sort of like one person was like, we're still clapping. Oh, we're not clapping it was, anymore. It was more than that. It dwindled. It dwindled. At the end, a couple there was at the end it was light applause. The one that I remember was really light is in Hakuna Matata when they make the transition where suddenly he's adult Simba. Uh-huh. And that was the one where it was like three people thought it was going to happen and pulled back. Right. I just can't wait to be king. I feel like they were still doing because that's the polite. F- the second song. Right. So people are like, oh, they did another one of the songs. Right. Right. There's only, I guess, because they kind of cut "Be Prepared" apart from. They make "Be Prepared." Be Prepared into becomes like kind a of like a dramatic monologue. Monologue set to music. Now, my question, because we're talking visuals, right. how's the music? Is it at least music's fine? Is it good? I mean, because the I score mean, is good. Beyonce, it's Zimmer's like, back. You have amazing oh, vocalists. We'll get to Beyonce. Yeah. So I mean, Beyonce's a good singer. Look, yeah. Look, these sure. songs are good. They hire people who are good at singing. Right. Sure. You know, like even like Billy Eichner turns out is a better singer, singer than Nathan Lane. 
Nathan Lane, one of Whoa. our finest, you know. Well, Nathan Lane's always been one of this kind of singer, no, and, uh, look, you know. Nathan Lane's got pipes. He can obviously, like, really sing, but it turns out that, like, Billy Eichner has the voice of an angel. Lovely. And he Lovely. sings Lovely. the shit out of these songs. That's amazing. Right? Rogan cannot sing at all. Not surprising. Yeah, but he... They push him a little more than they should. <laughs> I think they embarrass him a little bit. Oh. Uh, not his fault, their fault, right? Right. Um, How about Glover? Glover, voice of an angel. Yeah, Beyonce, lovely voice. Yeah. Phenomenal. Like, all these people, it's like... Turns out this Beyonce... Can sing. Talented. Talented. And even at the very end of, like, the spoken word, like, slam poetry, be prepared, they do. Shuatel, like, holds the tune for a little bit, and I'm like, nice voice. Mm-hmm. Like, sounds like... Of course, he's a classically trained man. Of course, he has a, yeah. some basic perfunctory, like, singing abilities. You know, he's royally trained or whatever. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Uh... Yes, a, a little bit like uh, what what the fuck is going on here? I I was looking back because I've seen all these conflicting reports about how much Beyonce was paid to do the movie, and I think they're all based on hypotheticals that have now been sourced and requoted. No one knows. No one knows. But there was the rumor at the time that was they were going to pay her twenty five million dollars because the big key was she was going to produce the entire soundtrack. Right, and it, she d- did, didn't she? Pharrell gets a credit. I didn't see her get any credits other than that she co-wrote and produced the new song. But Pharrell no, but gets the, a the song. There's the Lion King, The Gift. You know what I mean? What's the Lion King, The Gift? It's this soundtrack she made. She produced a curated soundtrack, uh, which counts as her seventh studio album. Right. I think that's sort of part yes. of the deal, but it's under her own label. Uh, Yeah, sure. The credit that Columbia, Pharrell gets, yeah. which is songs produced by Pharrell Williams, yeah. I feel like at the time, the perception was she was going to do that. Mm-hmm. She was going to be hands-on. She was going to bring in the musicians. She was going to figure out how to reorchestrate these songs. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it every time they did one of these songs, and the songs themselves, on a musical level, totally work. They're fun. I was just like, I would have rather seen someone try something different here. Because all the actors are singing them well, but you could have approach them differently from instrumentation. But you're just talking. From mixing. From They're moving. just not doing that. They're just not. They're doing the line. Doing it. If they this did, this is money being printed yeah. on screen, right? right? I that's, mean, that's, that's what, what I'm. That's what I'm. The more then, you talk about it, do you guys know it. what the most successful piece of entertainment in history is? One single piece of entertainment in history is the original Lion King, the Broadway musical. Oh, sure, yeah. Nothing has ever made more money than the Broadway musical, and it is very interesting how this movie doesn't take anything from the Broadway musical. Right, 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 right. Like it is purely just an adaptation of the live action or the original animated film. And not the one other time that they tried to sort of bring the Lion King into real life. Right. It's kind of fascinating. Aside from the fact that, like, Julie Taymor has talked about how she wanted to do this movie, how she would have done it, how she thought doing it hyper-realistic was uh, not going to pay out. Right. Um, There are even story changes that the musical makes that would have benefited this movie. Because this film was inexplicably half an hour longer Aside from one scene that was when I went to the bathroom, it doesn't seem to add anything. It's, it is, from what I could tell, 15 minutes longer with incredibly long credits. It adds that one. Did they a couple hold scenes. on the bowl of farts for longer? They did. I mean, they, parts? they did. They, okay. they, they did a, a, a tracking dolly shot on. No. I mean, uh, the, there's, the couple, there are a couple, there's a scene where Nala and, um, no, sorry, not. It's Nala and Scar. Yeah, Nala, Nala and Scar kind of tussle. Yeah. Um, and there's and I this came back ex- in the bathroom and you went, well, that was kind of interesting. And I said, I was what? Like, it was you were like, different. they tried something. Yeah, it was another scene. Scar was trying to hunt Nala. They extend, because she's trying to like sneak out. Yeah. Uh, they extend the sequence of Simba's like fur flying over to Rafiki. 
where <laughs> it's like, oh, a giraffe eats it, and then it poops it, and then like a termite rolls it into a poop There's ball. There's a dung beetle then, sequence, which yeah. is almost a direct copy of not something from The Lion King, but something from Microcosmos. Do you remember Microcosmos? Mm-hmm. Microcosmos Good movie. was a documentary about bugs where they had like, we cracked the, the micro lenses. It was all zoomed in. Yeah. We can do bug photography better than anyone's ever done before. And I think it was like French documentary French filmmakers. movie, early, mid-90s, whatever. And it was like a weird art house crossover sensation where it made like a couple million dollars. Wow. Because uh, kids cool. kind of liked it. Yeah. It was like a good planet Earth style nature documentary. Cool. I remember thinking it was kind of boring. The poster was a praying mantis wearing sunglasses, and I kept on turning my mom and going, when's he showing up? Because he seemed like a fun Joe Camel type. Right. And instead it was like, no, Miramax was just trying to make it look like the movie was fun. But there's one sequence that rules, which is watching this dung beetle trying to push a ball of dung up like an anthill. And it's got like these stakes that you understand where even if the thing can't emote, he's like trying and struggling to push up and he keeps on falling back. And I remember that thing just like fucking killing Seeing that as like a child at the film forum. Hey or whatever. man, I mean, you know, it's a ball of poop. And then he does that in this. And it's like, I have to imagine for a guy who's talked so much in the press about like, I'm trying to make it look like a nature documentary, that he fucking was like, this is my microcosmos homage. Mm-hmm. And so it's a close-up of poop. Yeah, for a while. It's a close-up. A couple minutes. Yeah. yeah Did he get ball. notes on the poop? At a certain point, the poop ball splits open. Yeah. Oh, fur comes out. And then the fur comes out. And then you're just tracking. That's disgusting. This poop fur flying around. Rafiki catches it, and you're like, Rafiki, wash your fucking hands. <laughs> and then he does. Then he does. And that's oh. an extended sequence. Yeah, there's a long sequence where Rafiki purells his entire there's body. There's a long sequence where Rafiki yeah, installs a plumbing system in his tree. <laughs> So this I'm, is, wow, this is colossal. It's like fascinating. So I'm watching this movie and I'm going like, what? what's the analogy here? I don't want to use the could, should thing because it's what they're doing is so much more innocuous where it's really like, why spend the time doing this? You know, it's not malicious, but it just feels like such a waste of time and energy. Anytime I was sort of like visually taken by something in the movie, it would be like, man, look at how good that grass is. And then I would think, why did someone have to spend that much time accurately replicating the imperfections of a thing that I could film on my cell phone right now. You know? Yeah. Like, yep. the way the light hits the thing. You know, this and that. The fact that it's all 100% CGI, and that stuff is more impressive than the animal stuff, the environmental stuff, the water, what have you. Yeah. And you go, like, there's no reason any of this needs to be replicated. I understand you can't get lions to do things like this. And even if you want to do a babe style, it's really dangerous and it'd be hard to get the performance out of them, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't want to do what Dinosaur did, which I kind of would have preferred <laughs> Disney's Dinosaur, dinosaur where sure. they shot live action backgrounds and then just animated the characters into them. Mm. Okay. Um, because that movie then has to abide by the physics of what a real camera can do. Mm-hmm. Which when this movie is replicating certain famous shots, like the sweeping shot where you're on like Zazu's back as you fly towards Pride Rock. Mm-hmm. Works in animation because in animation, animators are drawing a thing, and then they have certain technologies like a multiplane camera or CGI later for Lion King and stuff like that that they can use to simulate a camera movement. But your brain is not rejecting it because you know there's not a real camera in the same kind of way. In this movie, when they have Caleb Deschanel sitting in a room as a visual consultant, the D, given the D. In VR, wearing this headset with two, like, Oculus Rift controllers. Oh, my God. 
placing his digital camera somewhere and picking his digital lens and all of this. That's the whole thing they talked about. You watch the behind-the-scenes photos of this movie, and it is 10 guys sitting in office chairs with Oculus Rift controllers and headsets, and one guy's like the gaffer, and they were like, we digitally created a way where someone can light a set. And it's like, there's also an analog way to do it. You hire a guy, and he brings lights, and he <laughs> turns them on, and it's an artistry. It's like a crap. <sighs> But they had to do a photo real CGI. So when the, the Sazu no, flight thing's going on, you're like, there's no way you could get a camera to do this in real life. And it makes everything look more fake. But this is the point I want to make, okay? Because okay? I, I was really proud when I landed on this. Okay. I'm sitting there watching that. I'm bored. I'm not emotionally engaged. No. I'm not hating it, but I'm just like, I, it's weird how much I don't feel anything I think watching. Think Jimbo have near loaded fries. Where are they? Right. That was when there was really some tension. And things like, uh, scar that used to be scary. I'm just like I don't feel any threat. I don't feel any danger. I really the think they fucked up how he looks. I hate. I do too. The design of Scar is terrible. Awful. He's just uh, skinny. Like he just looks like a rag. He's just like a mangy looking lion. He looks like a methy lion. <laughs> he looks so bad. Right? He looks methy. <laughs> so it's so disappointing. I'll find uh, find a picture for you. But I go. Why spend this much time and energy for something you can so simply just do? Replicating things. Yeah, you could already just film, replicating the way that a camera or a light would work, right? That's so bad. And then I said, what is this movie? This movie is the cinematic equivalent <laughs> yeah, go ahead. of the Juicero machine. The what? Oh, the, um, okay, so if I can remember right, it was that thing where they were like, Silicon Valley has cracked juicing. People like, are so into juicing, we need technology to disrupt the juicing industry. Right, now people, you know. What, how do you make juice? Usually, we have to buy fresh fruit, put it in a juicer. <laughs> it's whisper quiet. <laughs> like, no, it barely makes any juice. What a pain in the ass. <laughs> Not with the juicero. It's right. a machine where you put it on your kitchen counter. You buy juicero packs. They you ship put, them to you. You put a juicero pack in it. They're trying to do like the Nespresso coffee, right. but for juice. Right. Oh, it's so easy. Just put the little pot in. And then someone figured out that you could just take the juice pack, pack and just squeeze it with your hands into a glass. Like you didn't need the machine. <laughs> the only thing the machine was doing was squeezing the juice. Was squeezing pack, the juice. And which, they were uh, like, hands but the did. force, you understand, the torque of the squeeze in the machine. And the machine syncs with Wi Fi. So it knows what day it is and what time you like your juice. And that way also. It, it there's a barcode reader in the machine that scans the date on the packet. So if the packet's expired, it won't squeeze it for you. That's right. <laughs> and because costs, humans can't read. <laughs> it costs several hundred dollars plus the juice packets. And everyone was like, you know, they were saying like this video people are posting where they cut it. And they squeeze it themselves. We're telling you the juice isn't going to taste as good. <laughs> no, it's, good. it's not going to be good for your juice. Look, listen, listen to me. I'm an expert here. And they had raised so much $120 money. $120 million. $120 million. From companies like Google. Right. You know, they were like, yeah, sure, sounds great. And people were just like, there's no need to make this. If you've made, if you figured out a packet system where you can ship me a packet of juice and I can squeeze it, maybe that's a business. But their business was like the $600 tabletop machine. Right. The appliance. Right. And it just went under, unsurprisingly. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there watching Lion King, and I'm like, I feel the same way. In a certain way, if I had a juicer machine, and I had it make me a glass of juice, I'd be like, this is juice. 
I'm, I'm drinking this. This is satisfying. What about the QR code? <laughs> right. Come on. And the more they tell me, like, the code, the pneumatic press. You could set a lard for your juice. Yeah. I'm like, I also can go down to my local bodega and they just like put some shit in a blender and I drink it. And it's a hundred times cheaper. Right. And it's like the same quality. Yeah. Or I could learn how to do it perfectly, make my own artisanal juices. Like, you know, I don't know, hand animating the Lion King. <laughs> Like, if I really care about getting this thing right? It is just, I, you know, but it's like it's like Ben said. It's like, because like, if they had just yeah. re-released the great movie, The Lion King from 1994 in theaters, it probably would have made a lot of money for a re-release. Probably they could did it have, in they've 2011. Done it, and it made like close to $100 million. Correct. Right. Um, and, you know, if they'd re-released it again, they probably would have got a little more juice. <laughs> yeah. A row. A little more juice a row out of Pneumatic it. Press. Yeah. Extremely or make goofy a new movie. movie. Sure. No, In the universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, right, sure. Whatever. Right. Like, but, there's a million other you know, things. Yeah, David the Lion Queen. <laughs> I'm David's seeing David is being given the key to the city. <laughs> <laughs> Robert De Niro is popping his face. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mayor D Bill de Blasio, what are you doing here? They're, Shaking David's hand. Go fucking run the city, you <laughs> maniac. <laughs> I used to know him. Uh, back he when I was a reporter, I did. He yeah. was a co-host on Night Cheese, right? <laughs> As you and Sonia and Blasio. I used to cover, uh, he was a uh, city councilman for the general Remember welfare. Remember when community. that was a bit that I was jealous that you had another podcast? Uh, four <laughs> years ago? And who won? Uh, I guess Griffin did. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Here's the key. Thank you. Um, oh my God. Is Blasio shaking my hand? But the simple fact that yeah. they... Spent, you know, $250 million making a fucking, you know, faithful free mm -hmm. CGI yeah. rendering of this movie means that they unfortunately will make billions in profit. By the end of this weekend, they will have likely made close to half a billion dollars. Yeah. It's already been in China for like 10 days. It's made over it's 100, whatever. It's going to make 200 in this weekend in America alone. Now, is it going to be the most successful movie ever made? No. Hmm. No. No. And no. here were the two cornerstones of my argument for why I thought it could end up being the most oh, successful movie ever made. your argument. <laughs> it was my argument. Where you were like, Lion King hit plus Beyonce. The musical, look at how well right. look how Jungle well Book did. did. Right. It feels like they have this technology right. down. And as I consistently pointed out to you, even if you like tripled the amount of money that uh -huh. these other things made, it would yeah. not come close. And look, I'm not going to engage in a hypothetical scenario here. Uh huh. But I think if this movie. And I also think that Beyonce's impact on things is overrated at this point. Although I have tweeted that and gotten yelled at, but uh, her last couple albums have not sold that well. I think the Beyonce thing is not quite the phenomenon it was five years ago. David, people can hear you. David Fuck. is cupping I've his hands around the microphone. Literally just got shot in the face <laughs> with a gun. By Bill de Blasio. <laughs> You're in league with the Bayhive. <laughs> no wonder was, you don't care on the subway. His name was Bay de Blasio all along. <laughs> that tall motherfucker. <laughs> he's tall. He's, he's really me. tall. That's crazy. Yeah, he's very tall. I thought you were the number one follower. No, I, that was, who's the rare person I would have to interview where I would have yeah. to hold my microphone up. Yeah. Um, That's why yeah. Nightshees didn't last. Your arm got tired. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's why night cheese. 
You had a whole one up and one down. <laughs> You're all you stressed a lot of out. Physical humor on this podcast. Uh, what were you gonna say? Come on, more physicality than the Lion King. Yes, I think if this movie then just <laughs> I hit the backboard. It, it, yeah, it was okay. I think if this movie was executed at the level of the Jungle Book, uh-huh. it would have had a real run at being the highest grossing movie of all time. I don't even think yeah, it needs yeah, to be exception. You ain't right. And I also think if Beyonce actually felt like she had any impact on this movie. When she starts well, speaking, which takes an hour and a half. Yeah, well, this is the thing. She's People got less like, than 10 lines. She's playing Nala. And I'm like, have you seen The Lion King? Adult Nala has two lines. And I gave them way too much credit. Adult Nala's fucking role is she's just like, Simba, come back to Pride Rock. And he's like, no. It's Moira Kelly? Is that who plays? No, Moira Kelly plays Sarabi. Um, oh, right. Who does play Nala? Am I right about that? Or maybe it is Moira Kelly. Kelly. Is Nala. Yeah, I always forget who plays. Uh... No, it's um. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, Moira Kelly. It's okay. Moira Kelly. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's um. Yeah, someone else plays Robbie. Okay, sorry. Uh, when they announced that Beyonce was going to do it, mm. I thought there is zero chance they are hiring Beyonce to do as little as Nala had to do in the original film. I gave them way too no, much. You're credit. thinking about it the wrong way. Their pitch to Beyonce was like, honestly, the whole thing will take fucking two days. Yeah. Like, we'll do it in your car. It's fine. Yeah. Just be like, Samba, what the stomach. heck? Yeah. And she was like, okay, Samba, what the heck? And they were like, great, here's 20 million. I thought she was going to really hands-on produce the soundtrack. Yeah, she did make this thing. She made a soundtrack. But it's, it's like different. a curated it's, sound- it's an album. She yeah, did, it's she sort did of a, like how you know, uh, Kendrick Lamar did that with Black Panther where he, like there was like the score, right. but then there was also this like, curated Jay-Z soundtrack. Jay-Z did it with right. American Gangster. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's true. Yes. That's true. She's copying that model. I'm sure it will sell very well and everyone will be happy with it. Yeah, I thought she was going to... Or really, gonna... been down recently if you check her last Jesus couple Christ. albums. Oh, I've been shot again! <laughs> Bill de Blasio. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, go on. More like Buckshot Bill de Blasio. Mm. Um, I, I thought uh, they would give that character board to do. Uh, mm. I thought they would find, especially because, you know, I think people, the common accepted uh, stance is that uh, the young Simba stuff is the best stuff. Yeah. The movie kind of peaks with Timon and Pumbaa. Mm-hmm. Can You Feel the Love Tonight's a Jam. Mm. The Mufasa in the cloud scene love. people love. But the end yeah, of right. The Lion King is a little perfunctory in terms of just like getting through the stuff. The end of The Lion King is not very good. The movie certainly probably peaks with the stampede. Yeah. That's like the emotional and visual peak. And then the Timon and Pumbaa stuff is fun. And then the I last half hour is pretty boring. But I think I think the movie is, is good. despite not being a movie that I love or have an immense amount of nostalgia for, watching this and even just like running over the story beats in my head, I'm like, it is kind of a perfect object. It's a film it's, with like such narrative power and economy. It looks great. I think yeah. it's a great looking movie. No, but you just look at that as a text and how well it works on stage and how well it works at film. Yeah, and it's sure. just like it's a really classical, clean story. It has every type of element in it. It has thrills. It has romance. It has comedy. Gene Shalit's here. I'm roaring for this Lion King, and I ain't lying. I'm telling the truth that I liked it. Two paws up. I think Timon's cool. Timon is very cool, and Billy Eichner kills him in this movie. It's it's, it's two weird things. how hard he kills. Him. It's two things. It's one, he's he's doing a good job, and he's funny, and I, I think yeah. it's a pretty committed performance. But two, it's also just like. You've been wandering in You've the been fucking starving. desert. And then yeah. he shows up like, what, 45 minutes in, whatever. I think like an hour. Yeah. And is like, 
doing new material. And you're like, oh my God. Oh, you wrote this for this movie. Right. Oh, give me more. You know, I, I would say Rogan's funny too. I think Rogan's, Rogan's funny. Good. Rogan's yeah. very good. He knows his role. Yeah. He's like playing off him really well. They have really good banter. The two of them recorded together, clearly. clearly. And I imagine the two of them sat together and worked out bits. Weren't just improvising stuff. But came in with shit. And there's I, some like I genuinely think the line where Simba's like, oh, you know, the circle of life, and they're like, ah, I don't know where you got circle from. Yeah. <laughs> As like people who are lower on the food chain, I think that's funny. Yeah. Um, and they like, talk about like, how like, like life is it's meaningless. It's like a meaningless <laughs> line. <laughs> right. That's Everyone's good. Everyone's trying to get everyone else. There's right. no circle, <laughs> right? <Yeah>, Moron. <laughs> um. That they're was funny. They're really funny together. It feels like they have slightly different takes on the characters exactly. while fitting into the role. They're bringing their own energy to it, their own personas to it. Anytime Rogan laughs, that wonderful laugh of his, yeah. it's kind of amazing because you're like, look. Now, these are some of, these are like This is like one of the best duos. The, I mean, of, like all time. I mean, look, Timon and Pumbaa. I love. They're just classic comedy. Like you Tango got a, and Cash. A little guy. Timon and Pumbaa. You yeah. Got a little guy and a big guy. You got yep. a high status guy and a low status guy. Yep. You have the bossy one. I mean, they're like an animal, like odd couple, you know? Like yeah. literally, they're like Felix and Oscar. Like There's you have the, the slobby guy. one and the kind of persnickety one and yep, what have that's you. That's true. Yeah. Um, and but the thing that's nice about Timon and Pumbaa is they're an odd couple really like each other. They don't fight much. No, they're a good Everyone's couple. They're on each other's side. Everyone's each other, but they're like really united, which I think is what pushes them Dude, over the edge. This, so David's putting I'm on- I'm showing him the clip of the the new movie. Yeah. And it looks like a video game, like yeah. uh, in between like uh-huh. scene. Cut yeah, cutscene. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the other problem is that the I find the environments in the new movie pretty boring. Yep. Uh, it's often looks, looks just kind of washed out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a desert scene. Looks obviously. very real. Uh, the original um, uh, Lighting has a very expressive use of color and light. Yes, it does. Absolutely. And uh, this movie does not. No. Save for at the end when the fire is going. Even that's something only. like Be Prepared, which like gets like very sort of. Well, it's like, got the green mists and fires right. and things like that. This movie mostly takes place in just like broad, harsh, unsparing daylight, like yeah. just Sahara sun. And uh, this is one of two moments where I started to flip out and go, like, what the fuck is going on here? Is when they get to, uh, can you feel the love tonight? Uh, the entire song takes place around 1 p.m. That's right. And Eichner is singing his heart out. Yep. Can you feel the love tonight? And they are in, like, horrible, oppressive heat. It's Underneath Look, a, a wide open. The middle of the day. A violent sun. Now here I am. I'm reloading. And then they cut. They do a time lapse cut. And you're like, finally, we're going to get tonight. We're going to get tonight time. Oh, it's like 1.30. Yeah, right. They had lunch. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm watching the original movie's version. Yeah. And right. It's like it's set at sunset. It's hot. You want to see these lions fly? The sun's going down. And then right. They, the sun sets. Yeah. And there's that, that moment where uh, Nala licks Simba. Yeah. And then kind of gives him bedroom eyes. And as a kid, you're like. What's going on here? <laughs> and then this, this happens, and you're just like, animals are weird. Why do animals do that? Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems like, uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't have any personality behind it. Um, um, yeah. But this Timon and Pumbaa section was like, if everyone involved in this movie had taken the job the same way that the two of them are taking it, where it's like, cool, we know what the thing is. Now we're going to try to make our own thing that doesn't betray what people like about it. Right. Like, start over from square one. 
Because I'd say Timon and Pumbaa, but ninety percent new material in this movie. Yeah. In terms of dialogue, there's some of the classic jokes, mostly not. Yeah. Whereas James Earl Jones had to re-record his entire role. The poor man's eighty-eight years as old. As the only actor reprising his character from the original, and I swear to God, there's not one thing without knowing the movie encyclopedically. There's not one thing he says that I don't remember being said word for word Lar- in the original Largely, film. I believe you're They don't add scenes. They don't add meaningful new character dimensions. S- someone and else. You're like, go. he could have died. They could have pulled the audio files and it would have been the exact same performance. Someone Just else re-animated. who's doing new material that I was less enamored of is John Oliver is Zazu. Yeah. His stuff is just not that fun. Our audience was really into it. I think it's because he's the one who's doing jokes in the yeah. middle of a boring fucking movie. I didn't hate it, but the mm. Timon and Pumbaa stuff's got life to it. It's got a pulse. Rowan Atkinson is almost underrated in Lion King. He's I think so, so fucking he's funny. He's really good. Um, and uh, yeah, Oliver, was, <laughs> I forgot that they cut to a crying Timon. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. The, the original one's pretty good. I'll say this too. Good movie. Timon and Pumbaa, they anthropomorphize a little bit more. It helps well, that a meerkat can stand on its exactly. hind legs. Yeah. But there's even timing stuff with like there's that scene where Timon keeps on pip- popping his head up yeah. and behind the rock because yeah. he's afraid of Simba. And there's, like, shit where they add, like, recognizable physical behavior right. Right. Uh, into it. And, like, that section's kind of jamming. And at that point, this, we weren't going to love this movie, but we were both laughing a lot. And we were like, this is pleasant to watch. Yeah. I, I'm watching a thing that's engaging. Right. 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 Then the can you feel the love tonight thing happens. Ugh. We get adult Simba who becomes immediately less expressive. Yeah, and I think Donald Glover pretty much phoned this one in. I'm sorry. It wasn't very good. He's not very good. I agree. I don't think he's bad. It just feels like he's kind of doing the basics. Yeah. Um, But uh, he looks almost identical to uh, Mufasa, which I know is supposed to sort of be a plot point, but you literally can't tell them apart. And the other thing is at at least when he's a baby lion, baby animals have larger, more expressive features. They are cute. So that they don't get eaten by predators. Right. <laughs> and even during I Just Can't Wait to Be King, which is just them slowly walking past <laughs> the animals that used to do exciting things in the previous version of the film. Yep. Uh, like, I was just like, even if they're not going to dance, have him stand on a fucking giraffe's back. You know? Sure. But like, even if you're going to keep them slightly to, like, the rules of how these animals move, like have the flamingos like all like move at the same time, you know. Even if it doesn't look like fucking Busby Berkeley, or instead of them like just like grazing, have them working, digging, you know, Flintstone style, you know, have them doing and stuff. Like, it's a living. Yeah, they should all say it's a living. <laughs> yes, but I was saying it's like all the musical numbers in this are shot like a Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. Yes, they walk around. It's just them sort of slowly walking, and the camera like. You know, like following steady them? cam, like backwards <laughs> tracking with them as they walk through the Sahara and not even walking like it's not like their paws are hitting the ground on the beat. They're sort of just like stepping at their Front own around. pace. Um, God, this movie's draining. It's so fucking boring. So, I hate Scar. I'm so mad about Scar. Can you feel the love sign happens? We're like, Who what the cares? fuck? Oh, right. You want to get to your final rant. Yeah. You Who should. cares? This is so stupid. At this point, I'm just it. disconnected from the movie. Me too, but it's it's drawing no real ire from me. I'm just like, this is so silly. What a fucking waste of time. What a juice row machine. And then we get to the scene. Remember who you are. Right. That scene. Maybe. The cloud scene. You know, like. You, you know. got Rafiki, played by legendary uh, South African playwright John Connie. <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> in what? his like fourth appearance in a Disney movie in recent years. Third. One of my favorite things about The Lion King is Rafiki. I think Rafiki is my favorite character. Sure. 
the Broadway musical does great shit with Rafiki, expands that role, mm-hmm. always has a play by a woman. Sure. Uh, opens the show with Rafiki. Yes. Um, she but, kind of sings Circle of Life. Yes. But there's this beautiful thing with Rafiki where Rafiki is like a reverse Yoda. Yeah. Where at the beginning of the movie, you're not hearing a lot from Rafiki, but you're seeing a lot of Rafiki, and he just seems unbelievably noble and stoic and powerful and wise. And then at the end, when he comes to Simba, he's like fucking insane goofball lunatic person, like the way Yoda tricks Luke at first. And he's like doing bits, and he's like, you know, all that sort of shit, which is so much fun. Robert Guillaume's doing it. He's killing it. Benson. John, John Connie in this movie is uh, doing a very respectable, it's, well, restrained it's performance. Res- it's, it, it's a, it's, there's a lot more respect for... It's, again, it just feels like they want to avoid any kind of stereotype. Yeah. And I understand that. It's the same thing they did with Scar. It's the same thing they did with Jafar in same Aladdin. Same thing they do with the hyenas in this, too, yes. where they're all like... Eric Andre gets like a couple half jokes in... Keegan-Michael Key pays, plays one of them, and it's unclear what his bid is because they don't want him to actually be scary. He's also not really funny. Uh, uh, says, Eric Andre's playing the equivalent of Ed, the one who always just laughed, and now he's just the dumb one. Yeah, that was not And then, uh, what's her name, Florence Kasamba? Yeah, she plays the main one. And it's like, Whoopi Goldberg's kind of amazing in The Lion yeah, King. Okay. Uh, and, and this is where, like, but she's sort of like half funny, half serious. Yeah. This is just, she's just it's serious. She's just scary. Neither. Right, and it's this weird, like, She's got this weird specific thing with Nala at the end of the movie. She's like, I'm going to eat you. I've been waiting for this my whole life. Yeah, that just felt like them being like, let's give the female voice characters a little right. more of an arc. But you have the Rafiki thing. And Fail. I'm just like, All right, so the Rafiki thing is whatever. And I said to you, who should have played Rafiki? Danny Glover. I love it, but I love glove. You love like to put glove. on the glove. As yeah. you said. Glove fits and I quit. Always. Fully canceled. So he does the like. No, you, he's. Uh, you got shot again. He's still alive. <laughs> he's still alive. Look, he lives in you. And he points up to the clouds. And I go, okay, at least this is going to be this sort of transcendent moment, right. you know? Yeah. Of like, like emotional, sort of ecstatic truth. Uh, I can't wait to see how the cloud, they pull it off. Right. Guess what they do? They don't put his face in the fucking cloud. No. What do they put? They show you a cloud. It's a cloud. They now, show you Griffin, a sky filled Griffin. with clouds. It's a cloud. It's stormy. The lightning And when strikes. the lightning flashes, it looks like a little face for a second there. Oh, what? What? Oh, Griffin's taking it back and he's realizing it was truly majestic. Ben, no exaggeration. Yeah, so I'm just sitting there There being will be like, an infinitesimal, a millisecond long lightning flash in which you can see 5% of his face. Five, just the vague sense of maybe that's a cheekbone. Is this a prank? It felt like it. And I just went, what the fuck are they doing? Now, at this point, when I'm watching the movie, I'm sitting next to Griffin. I'm just like, I don't care. Boring. And this is happening. I'm like, yep, that's boring too. And Griffin, suddenly it feels like whatever. The straw that broke the camel's back. Suddenly he just won't tolerate this. He's like, he's sort of like gesticulating at me. Like, what is this? What is it? And I'm like, I don't know. His fucking face is in the cloud. What do I I was like, but he's, it's not. Remember what? Do you, who you what the are. fuck are you doing? Why Remember even show up if you're not ready to play? Why make a fucking Lion King movie if you're not? Comp- As you said, they like it's they fucking everyone parodies the father's face this is, this in is the clouds. Joke when it's like this is CNN. It's yes. funny. Yeah, it's one of like the most iconic visuals of the last thirty years of film. Pretty it's iconic. the dad's face in the cloud. Yeah, and and that shot of uh, Simba going like. <gasps> Remember yeah. they, they use that in like memes all the time. I feel right. like. 
And they just are like, mm, it's this. kind of unrealistic. Remember when Rafiki beats up all the hyenas? I mean, in real life, a real lion's face wouldn't appear in the clouds. Like, I don't give a shit! Um, that's actually a great point, not photorealistic. So, they didn't do that. They did a storm, and it was great. And then saw uh, Simba, he goes back to Pride Rock, <laughs> and they fuck up Scar, hyenas eat him. I also, I mean, it's the problem with the original cartoon, too. It's like, the whole thing where it's like, Scar's like, your dark secret is you killed your father. And it's like, in front of everybody, like, yeah. He was there during a stampede. Like, yeah. I mean, how is even childish Simba going to be like, yeah, I'm responsible. Yeah, I should probably. Yeah. I've never loved that. And then people are always like, oh, the Lion King is like Hamlet. No, it's not. No, it's not. It'd be like a prequel to Hamlet. Yeah. Hamlet begins with the dad is dead. Yeah, it's just the uncle stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's just that there's an uncle who killed a dad. And they're like, oh, we're really inspired by Hamlet. No, you're not. Fuck off. Okay. Well, it's, it's not. It's a ripoff of that Japanese cartoon. Yeah, Kimba. Yeah, Kimba. Kimba the White Lion. Kimba the White Lion. And Disney was like, no, 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 it's not. It's not a cartoon, not a ripoff. What are you talking about? And you watch Kimba the White Lion has like the same rock, you know. Yeah. like. And it was originally uh, Simba the White Lion, and then they made him yellow, and then they called it the Lion King. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, like, every Japanese person apparently who saw the White Lion King was like, hey, is this Kimba? And they're like, no, it isn't. And Japanese people were like, oh. I think it is. <laughs> I remember Kimba the White Lion. It looks like this. <laughs> yellow. And Disney was like, no, it's not. We're not talking about it again. Fully original. Hey, fuck the Lion King. Whatever. I like the first one. It's okay. Saw it when I was eight years old. My mom had to take me. My dad was living in England at the time. Two direct-to-video sequels. Mm. I feel like the second one didn't have- Saw it at it the was... Lowe's 84th. Oh, congrats. Thanks. Very hyped up. Unlike Return of Jafar, which made like a big cultural impact, I feel like no one has any memories of Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. I've, I know some people who are nostalgic for that. Really? One. Yeah, because the little the kid is cute. It's the new kid. And then there's Lion King 1 and a half. No, I feel like more people is like, like that Rosencrantz and Gildenstern with you know like that? Timon and Pumbaa. There's a Timon and Pumbaa movie that is Lion King told solely from Timon and Pumbaa's perspective. I like that. It's supposed to be really good. Is it? Yeah, I know people who say it's really good. You do? It's like the one direct-to-video sequel from that era that's supposed to be It's funny, too, because on the cover... What's not Pumbaa? He, and he's big. Yeah. Pumbaa's the bigger one. Yeah. And oh. he's struggling. They try there. to make the fucking empowerment thing with Pumbaa in this movie that they're fat-shaming him, and that's how he gets the courage to stand up because even though he's cowardly, he hates bullies. The thing I kept thinking about was, like, imagine the person who's like, oh, fuck, honey, I'm going to miss dinner. I... I I I'm going to miss get, the next three years of dinner. I can't get the lighting right on this rock. <laughs> right. You know, like you watch that and you're like, there are individual people who care about what they're doing of course, in this movie. Of course, I'm sure it was worked on very hard. It looks um, like lions in a desert and stuff. And like, I can't believe we're at that point where we can do this. It looked, you know, it's very impressive that they what can replicate end? this. Why do I need a machine to make me the fucking juice? I can squeeze it myself. Why do you need a machine to make you the fucking juice? But what if, like, Jeff Nathanson, who wrote this film, did a great job, by the way, did a great job watching The Lion King. Screenwriter of <laughs> Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. What if he came in and he was like, Griffin, look, I was having a hard time and, like, you know, I made a couple million dollars in this yeah. movie and now I'm doing okay. Would you be like, all right. <laughs> Listen, I could copy and paste the screenplay and, like, add I just want stuff. someone to give me reason to, like, be like, all right, well, whatever. Like someone, because my kid was sick, and yeah, I yeah. made a lot of money, and then yeah, my kid's better. I'm like, all right, <laughs> cool. Glad you made it. Donald Glover went on <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel to promote it, wearing a full lion costume, yeah. which was kind of fun. Kind of funny. And he seemed a little embarrassed to talk about the movie. Sure. But he had one really good anecdote, okay. 
which they were like, so is your son excited? And he was like, my son like weirdly loves The Lion King. I don't show him a lot. We don't like have screens in the house. We don't watch TV. David's rolling his eyes because David shows his kids screens. When all I have time. a kid, I'll be like, yeah, like two, and, two, when they're two years old, I'm like, all right. So the NYPD blue is kind of the midpoint between Hill Street Blues and like the modern cop show, like The Shield. You tape know. an iPad to your child's exactly. hand. So like, let's do, we'll do seasons one to six or seven. We'll see. I mean, and then we'll, we'll, we'll work on more I'm milk. Four. <laughs> Daddy, I want to watch Peppa Pig. And I'm like, yeah, but David Milch is really foundational. Peppa Pig has a lot to do with David Milch. Peppa Pig has no integrity. Um, but he was like, my son weirdly loves The Lion King. That's like one of the ones he watches. And I, I wasn't telling him that I was in it because I didn't think he could grasp the concept. I don't think they do or how movies get made. Yeah. And I thought it would be a nice surprise to just take him to see it and then afterwards try to explain it to him. And so I was like, hey, do you want to go see the new Lion King? Sure. That I'm in. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. That's the joke. Is he says like, do you want to go see the new Lion King? And his child, who's like three years old, goes, Oh, yeah, Beyonce's in there. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and he was like... And Glover was yeah. like, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess she's in yeah, it. Yeah, that was his joke. He's like, uh, you know, daddy's in that. I don't know how you know who Beyonce is. What if the kid was like, oh, I hear John Connie's in <laughs> John Oliver? Is this, it's kind of an interesting choice. Well, yeah, I can see how John Oliver is kind of this generation's Rowan Atkinson. Sure. Yeah, right. It's weird, just like the game now, and we're going through it with Little Mermaid, where it's just like, yeah, it, it's like a fucking BuzzFeed communi- community article really every is. time, where it's just like, okay, so who is our generation's Buddy Hackett? Aquafina? <laughs> <laughs> who plays a flounder? I don't know, Tremblay? <laughs> he's good casting. Yeah, he's good Tremblay casting. is basically a living flounder. He's good casting. <laughs> All right, let's never talk of this movie again. I hope it fucking gets forgotten it's immediately. It's going to be $200 million. But didn't he get, doesn't he have to like, because he missed the bet, doesn't like something happen to him? We never set the terms of the right, bet. Right, I get you to. Can, you well, can, I was going to say, get a, nudes, I'll go get a cup of. get my nudes? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I'll go get a cup of milk. Oh, no. I'm not going to make him drink milk. Oh, no. Don't you know me. No, I get to do a Batman Forever episode or whatever. I don't know. We'll uh, figure okay. it out. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Okay, we'll figure it out. You get to do something stupid. I mean, unless it, you know, breaks the record. Well, oh, boy. I mean, what? how awful it would be to be proven right. <laughs> right, exactly. What a horror show. At this show. point. It becomes a country. But, it makes so much money. They just <laughs> own countries now. Yeah, the nation of Lion King. <laughs> um... But uh, I, the set I read is that Disney now controls 33% of the domestic box office. Uh, and that's yeah. pre-Fox acquisition. Yeah. And they now have seven of the top ten movies of all time. If uh, you Avatar. It's, I mean, I, it's my take. It's it's, the same take I've always had. Everyone's freaking out, but wait till 2020, baby. Uh, I think movies are going to die in 2020. Sure. Right. Um, I think yeah. we're all going to die. No! We're all gonna, no, that's going to be 2021. We're going to live forever. Um, but if Lion King is... 100 on the scale of how realistic we want to make our computers work mm. to replicate things that we could just film. Right. Right? What's the most literal-minded, stripped of any sort of interesting creative choices? There's another movie that in terms of digital fur technology is going the exact opposite direction. Oh, what are you talking about? Fur. Jumping headfirst into the uncanny valley and going like, Let's fur. creatively, fur, fur, artistically fur, fur, fur. make the weirdest series of decisions to adapt a thing 
that most people think doesn't really hold up uh-huh. is not this immaculate work. And that is the film cat. Fur. Fur, 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 fur. I'm Rumble Teaser. <laughs> I'm a cat. Are you? <laughs> now, all right. I want to come out of the gates with my hottest take. I already said it on our Kiki's Delivery Service episode, but you ain't getting that for two months, okay. so you're getting this now. Sure. Jennifer Hudson, who is playing Grizabella. <laughs> In Cats. Am I correct that she's playing Grizabella? Yes. Um, looks like Salazar. It's played by Javier Bardem. Hola, Jack Sparrow. Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead Men Tell No Tales, a.k.a. Pirates of the Caribbean, Salazar's Revenge. Where her face just kind of looks like half of a face. Yes. It's just sort of half face. Uh, and they just kind of like put her human face sort of in the middle of it. You know what I mean? And then they're like, yeah, yeah, and put some whiskers on it. Yeah, yeah okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. it just looks like she's not filled in. Oh, it's it makes me, like, kind of, like, nauseous a little bit. And I love it. Now, I saw this trailer. This trailer hits hits the, uh, the world. The world While explodes. I'm uh, commuting on a subway. We were blessed with this trailer playing before The Lion King last night. That, it did we'll, get the we'll, biggest response we'll of anything. We'll get to that. It got the biggest response of anything I've ever seen in the history of film. <laughs> I've never media. seen an audience react to anything the way I <laughs> no, saw it. We did get a genuinely yeah. fascinating reaction. Yeah. We will talk about yeah. it. But I saw it on my on a subway, so I just loaded it on my phone. It was all grainy. And I was like, well, that looks fucking terrible. It looks demented. Yeah. Um, then I get home. Joanna said, and I just put it on with absolutely no warning. I was like, I'm putting something on immediately. Yeah. Uh, watch it in high def, and I'm like, okay. Uh, I mean, okay. It looks like something. Yes, it does look like something. Yup. Uh, I don't. I mean, they're too small, maybe, or something. I don't, I don't know what this world is, small. but it does look like something. Yes. Um, I still think that it's possible we will be like judged as a species. Like that, that, this will be like the final feather well, on the scale. There's been all this news about actual UFOs, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, like, the aliens I think are going to be, like, be like, eh, are right. beyond hope. Because <laughs> right. they're slowly getting us comfortable with aliens. At this point, the New York yeah, Times right. is running another UFO every, story every, every week. Two they're months. like, yeah, Trump said a racist thing, and also that like, there's another trove of Navy videos of aliens. So uh, here that is. You can watch it anytime. Yeah. And everyone's like, Trump did what now? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like yes. just one of those Air Force videos. It's like, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, what's that? Wow, aliens. Crazy. <laughs> That's nuts. Wait, it's like it, moving like an alien spacecraft. He just tweeted Kofifi. <laughs> and then the ship crashes. Yes. <laughs> what does Kofifi mean? Ah! <laughs> um, now, but before we talk cats, yeah. before we talk about Tom Hooper's cats, mm-hmm. which is probably going to be one of the films of 2019. So the cast trailer. Is at the opposite end of the spectrum. Yep. Where even if it looks like another crime against humanity, it's the kind of crime I respect. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. It's the difference between like a quadruple homicide and like an insane like robbery. Okay. Interesting. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like one of them's kind of it's a crime, but at least it's sort of creative. You're like, oh my God. And they like had to like hide out in the walls or like Go undercover as this or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I'm sort of like, you know, in an era in which things are, uh, I feel like, getting uh, very safe. Yeah. 
or weird in just uh, boring ways. Sure. This is a movie that's fucking swinging left and right. I And I also think... I've it, never seen anything that looks like this. I don't like it. it necessarily, but I can't look away. I watched the trailer 12 I've times. I've watched yesterday. it so many times. I can't look away. So you've got these... These all right. So uh, the thing is that fundamentally, yeah. Cats is an absolutely bonkers work of art. Anyway. <laughs> right, right. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber was charmed by these old T.S. Eliot children's poems about cats with no narrative, with no narrative to them. Mm-hmm. He put them all to music, yeah. uh, and they're weird. Right. And then he wrote one other song, "Memory," that's like kind of a banger yeah. that ends the show and is you know like a classic old ballad. Yeah. Uh, the plot is that it's a bunch of fucking cats who live in a garbage dump, and they argue Jenny over Annie which does. of them gets to go to heaven All around, and be reborn as a new cat. Have you seen cats? No. Buster it sounds batshit crazy. It's batshit crazy. It's one of those things that's kind of like probably best when it was on Broadway. Like it was Growl probably. Tiger. Yeah, sure. Keep going. No, I don't want to interrupt you. Okay. You know, it was Grizzabella. probably best for kids. Uh, but some... It Mr. Mustafa weird sort of cult following where people would see it over and over again. Rum Tum Tugger. Rum Tum Tugger. It's kind of... Tantamile. It's so weird anyway. So Tanka I feel strap. like it's just that a cat's film should, will be weird. Griddlebone. It right. should be weird. Rumple Teaser. You know what I mean? Because cats is weird. Shimble Shanks. Are you done? No. And now, so they wear leotards and they have like hair. Mungo Jerry. Right? That's their look. And they have painted faces in the Broadway play. Jelly Laura. Uh, yeah, they wear leotards uh, with sort of patterns on them. They've got some makeup. They got some fur. Syllabub. Now, in this version, are are you supposed to want to fuck the cats? Burka Pat. <laughs> There's definitely going to be some new or existing subculture <laughs> yes. that has that concept. Correct. I don't know. Correct. Um, but so it's like the cats kind of look like humans, but if the humans were covered in fur. The fur is digital. It's not makeup. They it's filmed it on set. I mean, technology, let's be honest. But that's what I find fascinating is it's not like these are like photo real mocap versions of these actors. These actors gave these performances and then they like digitally painted fur on top of them. Yeah. Like I'm, Andy Serkis always says like motion capture, you should think of it like digital makeup. This is the first time anyone's actually just done digital makeup. <sighs> to this Sorry. extent. Um, you know? Yeah, it's directed by Tom Hooper, who is at this point just a garbage man, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. I don't know. I actually kind of like The King's Speech. I like The Damned United. But, I mean, Les Mis is awful, and uh, The Danish Girl can is, go fuck is sinful. Yeah. Uh, and not because it's about a trans person. I'm realizing it. Danish Girl was about a trans person. Yeah. It's sinful. No, it's just it's just uh, an abhorrent it's piece of movie made. making. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, cats, uh... I guess, I mean, Cats is bad. I just like. It's bad anyway. What are you going to do? Fuck it up? In a world, A, right. What are you going to do? You fuck it up. It's not a sacred text, right? And B, in a world where Favreau is too afraid to put Mufasa's face in the clouds, here's a movie that is seemingly unafraid of. We'll put a face on anything. anything. (laughs) We'll put boobs on him too. You will? Yeah. (laughs) You want to have a nice ass and a tail? We'll do that. Here's a great point. The tail could kind of be like going into the ass. (laughs) In a weird kind of a way. Do you like that? <laughs> yeah, you do, you dirty like, viewer. I don't I don't like that. I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David's whipping the table. You know, uh, tails, uh, usually kind of above the butt. That's true. That's well, true. Uh, what if this tail looked like you Whoop. were pooping it out? 
Ooh, it suddenly got kind of hot and yeah. sweaty in here. <laughs> yeah. So we see this trailer. In fr- we go sitting down in front of the Lion King. We're like, oh, fuck this bullshit. And yeah. I say, I, and we're like, I hope we'll get they the play catch this trailer. And I'm like, oh, it just premiered. That's the you thing think we're so? Excited about and then, the yeah, we we see a trailer for. <laughs> but what were some other trailers? We saw uh, what, well, we saw the Mulan trailer, which we both agree. Mulan trailer got cool. a good reaction. People are angry about the Mulan I, trailer into- online because it looks quote disrespectful to the original Disney I don't film. Know who you're quoting there. Unquote. <laughs> I did a little Twitter search in Mulan when it came out, and the response was overwhelmingly negative. People said, why did they make this? Why does everything look different? Why isn't Mushu in it? Why not use the songs? This is disrespectful. Why bother? These are the exact people who are going to push The Lion King to 650 million domestic. Right. Um, Whether or not they really enjoy it, that's what they think they want to see. Yes. Uh, uh, Mulan looks awesome. Mulan looks good. I'm trying to think what other trailers we saw, but I can't it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, because I saw the artist self defense at Alamo, and yeah. like they showed the Star Wars trailer. Really, <laughs> and it's weird that they didn't in front of the Lion King. There was a moment where I, where I thought it, there was like a false alarm. I thought it was maybe the Cats trailer, and now I can't remember what. The, oh, they played the uh, Down Abbey trailer, which is also incredible. That's bonkers in its own way. I'll be there in the morning. Um, but Cats, the trailer plays yeah. the second the trailer begins. The audience like the first couple chords. Cats in a movie? Oh they're kind of like, I've heard. You know, it's sort of like, it's like the, the emperor is coming out naked and Excuse everyone's me. like, what's he doing? Excuse me. They, Universal logo. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. When they cut to the image of... Francesca Hayward, the uh, who's playing Victoria. Right. The audience simultaneously applauds and laughs. Yes. Like people were like, yes, we got it. They spend the whole trailer... Kind of laughing derisively, but also kind of into it. Like stunned. Like and, right. And then the, the title comes up and they applaud it because it was sort of like, look, what can I tell you? This is my reaction. It's like, I'll see it. I can only imagine it's similar to the response you would get from the audience at like a Tijuana sex show. It's one of those- Where people are grossed out. They're entertained. They're turned on. Like every sound was being made. It's one of those things where, like, I feel like in a couple months, everyone will be like, well, yeah, because that's what Cats looks like. We know. We saw the trailer. We're used to it at this point. And we can't let that happen. We've got to hold on to what's happening right now where where we're just like, nothing looks like this. What is this? It was amazing to come home and 12 hours later, after the trailer had premiered, after I'd seen it in the theater, still my feed was just... 32 seconds ago, 45 seconds ago, one minute ago, five minutes ago. Fucking cats, man. (laughs) We're all talking like Martin Sheen and Apocalypse Now where we're like, God, those cats. I can't escape them. They haunt me. Uh, (sighs) It was unbelievable, but I will pick that any day. Jabuki Young White, uh, the comedian who's on The Daily Show. We love him. He changed his Twitter account (laughs) to at Cats Movie. (laughs) Or no, I'm sorry. He kept his username the yeah, same, right, right. but the display name was Cat's Movie, and he changed the logo. And he tweeted, "Do you have it here, David?" No, no. no okay. <laughs> he tweeted, "This is Twitter, a website that is uh, overrun with Nazis, uh, harassments of all sorts." Uh, Jabuki Young White was uh, immediately banned from Twitter for posting because he's also verified. He's got the check mark, right? So it's at Jabuki, but it says Cat's Movie. Check mark, and his tweet is <laughs> the tweet is the cats in cats 2019. <laughs> we'll have 
realistic spiked penises. That's what they'll have. Got little spines on their dick. To was, scrape the semen out from other competitors. He was his account was suspended in the hour. <laughs> oh, boy. It kind of feels nice to have something that like everyone can agree on, which is just like this is fucking weird. <laughs> what the fuck is this trailer? But I like was like the trailer comes up, we're getting ready to watch the Lion King, and I say to you. If Lion King is 100 in terms of trying to replicate the natural world, and Cats is a zero in terms of going as unnatural, like, hell world as we possibly can. Cats isn't even a zero. It's like a series of, like, hieroglyphics that are red, you know, that mean, like, the world is ending. I I think I want Lion King more in the cat zone than what we got. Right. You'd like Lion King to be more, like, going for 20. Yeah. I don't know. 30, 40 even. Even if it was 49%. Hell, give me 60. Yeah. Yeah. Cats. I'll say this. It's about cats. I'll say this about cats. cats. I'd love a fishbone. <laughs> yeah, you keep coming back to this. I love a fishbone. The, they're street cats. The problem, are, give me some trash. The problem is now they've made them so humongous. There's that shot of her with the knife and the fork. Very weird. Where the knife and the fork each look five times the size of her entire body. The perspective, though, seems solid. Well, you know what they did? They built fucking humongous sets, which I love. That was the other thing. Ugh. It's like Universal, the Gallagher special. Universal, <laughs> they fucking set this joke up so well because they released the video 24 hours in advance that was like the famous Les Mis, let's brag about shooting right. everything on set, right. doing the songs live, and Eddie uh, uh, Redmayne talking about the fragility of the performance three times in a row, right? Yeah. He uses the word fragility. Um, they did another one of these videos, but it was just the cast in, like, their movement clothes. Yeah. Either on set in, or in like, rehearsal leotard. spaces. Not in, like, motion capture suits, but seeing how big the fucking sets are, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. They rarely do that anymore. Yeah. They rarely make full fucking insane sets like this that. This is my favorite Jabuki tweet. <laughs> Twilight New Moon kicking Citizen Kane in the chest. Good tweet. Um, and then the poster came out. Where from behind do you see the one Victoria? Yeah, the, the ballerina cat. And people were like, "Oh, that's weird. How defined her butt and womanly <laughs> curves are." <laughs> and then they released the trailer, and the world went blind. <laughs> yes, it was fucking Bird Box all over again. Now here's what I love about it: clawed our eyes out. Someone tweeted this, and I realized, oh, this is, uh, among all the other things, one of the elements that makes this so unnerving. They didn't give them cat noses. No, they human. They human spent face. so much time and energy putting cat faces on human bodies and then giving human bodies cat fur. <laughs> but the one Wild. thing they could have done is just give Tired. everyone a little pink at the end of their nose. Because <laughs> they do have whiskers. They have whiskers. Yeah, yeah. They have whiskers coming out of their face. They have tails coming out of their butts. <laughs> Their yeah, noses, yeah. the exact same color as the rest of them. I do think, and the fun, that fucking video, behind the scenes video is so funny because they're like, you know, we're like people, but we're also cats. And I'm like, don't know what that means. And then Tom, they were like, do you see? Tom Hooper it's signed like on Francis like three Waller. years ago. And when they announced that he was doing it and Spielberg was producing it, they were like, they will now establish a committee to decide whether the film should be live action Fully animated, right. somewhere motion capture. Like they were like, 
We don't know. And then a guy comes in, a visual consultant, who I think was worth every penny they spent on him. He yeah. came in and he was like, Dunk. Dunk. Hola, Tom Hooper. <laughs> Do you see my face? Salazar. <laughs> see, it's like the Sprite commercial. For the listeners at home, it's Salazar. He's like, Do you see the great thing face? Shakespeare. Hola, Steven Spielberg. Our old friend Salazar. I need a co-producer credit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Salazar. like you're you're you said in the Kiki episode that we just recorded mm. uh, that the Jumanji movie that's coming out. That's it. <laughs> that's the bellwether for the future. That's fucking of Missouri cinema. in a presidential election. Outside of the like four silos that Disney has, yeah, right. That seem like if that one hits, then Hollywood's like okay. Right. The rest of us we still have some stint. idea of how this works, right? <laughs> right. And if that, like, what? If, but here's the thing: if that hits and Cats fails, yeah. I think people will be like, "All right, I wouldn't yeah. have predicted that, but okay." Yeah. If that misses and Cats hits, yes. it's like okay, there's still money to be made, <laughs> but I don't know how, how? we make it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. At that point, right. you need like you know, Mad Men running the whole right. You know, like we made a horse the CEO of Disney now. He'll make the decisions. If he clomps twice, we green light it. <laughs> Who knows? I just think the joy I felt watching that Cats trailer and the audience response to it, it was then like after the Milan trailer, they applauded, but it felt like them being like, well, now we look like assholes if we don't applaud at the thing that actually looks good. And then the Lion King applause felt more like, as you said, this Pavlovian thing yeah, that 100%. disintegrated as the movie went on. Yeah. And it was like, look, you can say it works or it doesn't, but there was a genuine energy happening in the theater during that cast theater. It was electric. Trailer that I've been missing. It was I've been electric. missing in my it life. It was like being electrocuted. <laughs> it was. Cats! <laughs> I'm dying to see it Theater's now. always today. It's like one of my most anticipated movies because I'm just like, I don't know what to make of this fucking thing. Cats. It's about cats. Now and forever. Do you know that scene that I'm referring to in Angels in America? It's an iconic I scene. Uh, early on. Pacino, mm-hmm. Roy Cohn is on the phone with his, uh, with some like, you know, Republican's wife. Mm-hmm. And he's like trying to get her tickets to like a Broadway show. And they're talking about like, and, and he's like, Lacage, now nah, you wouldn't like Lacage. And like, then he puts the, you know, his hand over the microphone. And he's yeah. like, have you seen Lacage? It's fabulous, you know. And then he's like, uh, let's try and get her something. And the assistant calls back and it's like, cats. And he's like, cats. Ugh. Cats. It's about cats. You'll love it. Singing cats. <laughs> I honestly think. Probably 95% of the success of Cats was just that it was called Cats. It's about Cats. Like, don't you think... You know what else what? has a fantastic poster? One of the, the great poster's posters. incredible. With the eyes? With the eyes, and, like, the eyes are kind of dancing, and you're kind of like, ooh, this looks, like, dark and mysterious. Yeah. And then you sit down, and someone's like, rum tum tug is a curious cat. And you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I remember my dad saw it alone, and like he came back and my mom was like, why did you see it? And he was like, I just kind of like to wanted know. to see what the deal was. And she was like, did you like it? And he was like, no, <laughs> like I didn't. <laughs> didn't like it. I was saying to you last night, I've never seen a production of Cats. Yeah. Didn't see it on Broadway. Sure. Never seen it at a, you know, a school. There's like a camera, pretty definitive, like sort of filmed version of it that right. you can watch. Right. Yeah. None of that. None right. of that. None of that. Right. I never stopped finding Cats jokes funny. Anytime anything or anyone references Cats, I find it hilarious. 
Anytime anyone says the name of any character from Cats. Teaser. <laughs> I mean, come Bustopher on. Joe. Come on. I'm not faking this. Isabella. Like, it's like, this is Old like Old Deuteronomy. <laughs> Mordecai. That's one of the cats. Is one of the cats actually no. named Mordecai? Okay. <laughs> be funny, but. I'm oh, uh, so excited. Okay. So I want to I wanna ask it now. Okay. We're wrapping up here, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be willing to see cats in 40X? <laughs> Do you think it'll be available in 40X? I think it would. Uh, sure. I mean, I assume I'm going to go to a press screening of it that will not be in 40X. But if cats is in 40X, and I have a feeling it won't be because Star Wars will probably be mm-hmm. taking its uh, the 40X space. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I'll see cats in 40X. Okay. So the entire time it would just smell like garbage. You're in a dump. Pit. Pump more garbage. Cat piss. They spray cat piss in your face. <sighs> well, we Wild did it. Stuff. We did it. We did your Lion King, your blessed Lion King episode, Griffin. It's probably going to be huge. It's probably going to be huge. probably going to be the biggest podcast of all time. Yeah, much like the Lion King. <laughs> An inexplicable success. Yeah. Oh, boy. I don't know. I just feel like we've been talking about it for so long, especially because of the- yeah, bat. The bet, and also, uh, you know, it feels it feels like really representative of, of where we are in the state of the film industry now. Run from Tugger is Every a curious Every time they cat. do one of these fucking things about, like, you won't believe this technology they developed. You know what looks good? What? Top, Top Gun. Top Gun Maverick. I was telling you this. I'm sorry, what? Top looks- Gun. Top Gun Maverick. Oh, it sounds like you said DACA. DACA. You know, it looks good. DACA. I yeah. like that. You know, he likes protects, DACA. Protects people who have come to this country. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Top Gun Maverick. See, I don't know if I think it looks good. I think the trailer's good. Yeah, it's in the plane. He's flying around. looks cool. I'm yeah. for it. I don't like it when people fly in planes and I'm not involved. I guess Ad Astra is your most anticipated movie the rest of the year, right? Yeah. That thing. <laughs> Dad Astra. We got that trailer. Have you seen the new trailer? I saw the new trailer. Pretty good, huh? It looks great. looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm. you know what? I didn't realize how much I miss Brad Pitt. Oh, I agree. Seeing those two I trailers agree. playing in theaters. Especially because even the Brad Pitt we've gotten, like, big short Brad Pitt, is him being like, can I just be weird? Yeah. You know what I mean? I've missed, like, I, I think that Ad Astra is going to be really serious Brad Pitt, locked mm-hmm. up Brad Pitt, like, sort of closed off. Yeah. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is more, like, fun Brad Pitt, you know, kind of sandwich-eating Brad Pitt. I'm not you know? trying to get, because I mean, he hasn't, his last movie. It was War Machine. We've had this conversation right. on the podcast. But I, but I know, but what I want to see is, like, the last pure, right, Allied is the last sort of, even that was him sort of buttoned down. He's real buttoned then down. Then Big now. Short and By the Sea aren't good examples. Hey, Fury. Yeah. God, what a weird. Man, I love Red Me too. It did. That's one that really snuck up on me. I don't. I never could have predicted he would have become someone I valued as See, much as I do now. I was so fond of him when I was younger because 12 Monkeys was like an early favorite movie mm-hmm. for me. Like when I was like 13 years old. Yeah. And I love him in that movie. Now when I watch 12 Monkeys, I'm kind of like... Brad's a little much in this. I agree. Uh, lot, I don't. I don't lot. mind it because it's a it's a very wacky movie. But like, he's kind of one dimensional in that. He's and full then Bruce Gilliam. Willis is kind of the great. Right, and I think that's Brad Pitt really just trying to prove to everyone what he could do, which he did, and now he, he gets far Oscar more interesting performances. Exactly. Uh, he should have won the Oscar for Moneyball. Yes, he should have. God, is he good in that? The greatest performance he'll ever get. I think he's aging really well. Yeah. In terms of him accepting what both. Uh, uh, Ad Astra and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood feel like they're tapping into, which is like this like golden boy who's like on the other side, the wrong mm-hmm. side of fifty, yeah. and has this sort of like heaviness to him, right? This weird sort of suppressed anger, 
Um, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be better than Moneyball. I think Moneyball is like the most perfect role he could ever have. He knocked out of the park so hard that movie rules. And Does instead, roll. he hit a home run. He hit a home run. No, he did hit a home run. And then uh, Sean Dujer and Dan won the Oscar. I'm watching. That was a baseball uh, reference. Yeah. Moneyball also looks so good. Incredible looking movie. Who shot that? Uh, Wally Pfister. <sighs> good, good DP. One of his few non Nolans. Okay, we're done. Okay, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Gooder for our social media. Uh, Pat Reynolds and Joe Bone for our artwork. Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Ben's looking at a screen. Is everything okay? Uh, go to blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. He public for some real nerdy shirts. Okay. And as always. <laughs>